0: The long await is over, boys and girls. The long await is over. We haven't had a podcast since April 1st, I believe. April 2nd. COVID really dipped into the budget of this podcast, so we had to like, slow it down a little bit, and we got super busy. So um, welcome to the Sports Vision podcast number, I don't really give a shit. We got, we got a couple of a handful. Maybe we might be on the second handful now. We might be on the second hand to count. Um, Before I get started, I would like to welcome RJ is on the mic with me as always. And we do have a special guest today that I'm pretty, pretty excited about. Um, The man behind the mask, we call him Drewski. Um, Drewski, say hello. (laughs) Howdy. Welcome to our humble abode and our... uh, makeshift production studio.
1: I'll tell you what, this place is technologically advanced. <laughs> TVs everywhere. All over the place. Monitors.
0: We got more TVs than SportsNet. Ugh um Okay, so this is basically how it goes. You listen with your ears. We use our mouths to talk into mics. If you want to watch this show with your eyes, send us money so we can use cameras. Because as of right now, we ain't got shit for money to figure this thing out, to put it on YouTube or anything. It'd be super sweet if we could do something on YouTube. So um, sponsor us. We, we reach out to maybe four or 500 people every time we drop an episode. Um, this will be on Spotify, um, Apple, iTunes, uh, Apple. Are you, are
2: you telling people where to listen to it while they're listening to it right now? Well, yeah, I
0: mean, like, to, to tell, tell their friends, like, like hey, I'm, I listen to Sports Vision, and they're like, oh, snap, what is that? And they're like, it's a podcast. that They talk about racing and some sports and a lot of dumb stuff. And they're like, oh, man, how do I listen to this podcast? And then you tell them it's on Spotify, it's on Anchor, it's on Apple it's on every single platform that you could potentially find podcasts. So,
2: it's on whatever you're listening to by yourself because you don't actually have friends. Correct. Got yeah. It. This Got is it. not
0: I mean, yeah. This is for people who really don't socialize much. Um so our main point of interest today is racing. So, if you don't like racing, turn it off. Tune into the next one when we do sports or something. We will talk we will talk about some random stuff though. I mean, we're going to throw in some wild crazy stories, a lobster, cult,
2: (laughs) the lobster God, information on (laughs) the lobster God.
0: Um, we'll talk about screech, uh, from saved by the bell. So tune in for the fun stuff too. Um, we, we might as well just jump right into battle prim, huh? Uh, yeah. So
2: what part of it?
0: I mean, we can just talk about whatever. I mean, so obviously if you don't already know, I'm the race director, um, RJ's on the board of directors. He does the registration and some coursework and and just kind of random things throughout the weekend. Some equipment stuff, water truck, all kinds of stuff. RJ's just floating around. Staging. You did staging this weekend? Yep. Kind
2: of. Yeah, sort
0: of. <laughs> did some Drew did some uh, amazing track work this uh, leading up to Battle of Prim. <clears throat> He's the guy in a water truck or a loader. He's always given the... The Thumbs Up or the shocker or something, throwing it out. So, Drew, you rode in a race car this weekend.
1: I did. I rode with uh, Alec Rodriguez in 1635. It was, uh, it was a good time. How was it? Uh, we qualified pretty good. The motor, you know, worked for qualifying. That was all right. I uh, qualified 11th, I believe. And then uh, Saturday got interesting pretty quick. Uh, started the race it was going okay five miles in started getting motor issues and catching people and then they would catch us back because the motor would just take a shit on itself but uh, yeah Alec did a great job driving he was getting through the corners quicker than a lot of the other dudes which helped us out as far as that went yeah and uh, yeah at some point the floor pan started (laughs) to uh, wiggle under my feet on day one I think we were we were two and a half laps, three laps in at the point. I mean, it was wiggling the whole time, and then, uh, probably about three laps in, the bolts came out, and the skid plate decided it was gonna like can open or backwards underneath me. <laughs> and uh, so I did two or three laps with no skid plate flintstone under my feet. Flintstone in that mud, <laughs> straight flintstone for sure, man.
2: No subfloor either, so no subfloor,
1: so there was nothing under my feet. You did two
0: laps like that, didn't you?
1: Yeah, it was two or three. I think it happened in the middle of the third lap. Yeah. And then I did two full laps with it that way. So it was pretty interesting.
0: I I saw saw you go by. I think I was patrolling like the North Cold Pits. And I heard, I saw the car come in and I was like, oh, that's true. I'm going to walk out and kind of like give them the thumbs up, you know? And I heard this just obnoxious noise coming from under the car. <laughs> like it was about to blow into pieces. I was like, what the hell is this? And I just saw the floor pan just banging. And I just said, keep going, dude. Everybody in the pit behind me was like, you got to tell him to slow down. That That's, that's safety. I was like, I, Drew's sitting in there. And for the people who haven't paid us to put cameras on, you suck because you should be seeing what I'm trying to do right now. I imagine Drew either in an Indian cross-legged style or his feet up on the dash or whatever it took to keep going because they were not stopping.
1: Yeah. And again, we were, uh, we're actually in contention for the 1600 points championship right now. You guys went
0: into the weekend with a lead, right?
1: Correct. And I couldn't tell you what the point difference was at all, but yeah. So the, the biggest focus was to finish the race and then try to do as best we could. You know, there was a bunch of fast dudes that showed up just for this race. Yeah. Hats off to all of them, man. They're a bunch of badasses out there. but. Um, Dude, they were
0: smoking.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, at some <laughs> point, you know, skid plate starts to peel back and uh, got through the hot pit on one of the laps. And that's when it ripped completely backwards. <laughs> so we pulled over for a second because uh, we didn't have intercom. Uh, the intercom took a shit probably four corners into day one, <laughs> so I was giving hand signals all day, and, uh, so yeah, I punched him on the arm, kind of told him pull over for a second, you know, because I I'd trying to figure out what the hell we were going to do about it, and, uh, so he pulled over, he looks at me, and, you know, kind of does it, what are we going to do? And I looked over my shoulder, there wasn't another car coming, and I couldn't turn around to go back to the hot pits, you know, there's a disqualification right there, so, oh, yeah. It's like, well, we can't go that way, so we're just gonna have to keep going. Let's go through start finish, and if we get to the other, you know, pit on the far side, like, it can't help us. But I can get out and tear it off, mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever I need to do. And uh, so we got to start finish, and it gets into the fifteen mile an hour zone. And uh, I punched him on the arm again and told him, "Fuck that! Don't stop, dude. Just go. Don't stop for shit. Just keep going." <laughs> and uh, yeah, I got uh, blasted by a bunch of rocks, uh, mud. The watering truck guys did a fantastic job on that race course i don't care what anybody says about how wet it was like you can bitch if it's wet and you're gonna bitch if it's fuck dusty as shit so mm-hmm. you know they did a great job all day 1.2 um,
0: 1.3 ish million gallons of water got dropped on that course how many
1: are in a swimming pool did we drop like <laughs> Did we drop them Were we to like, say like family size, Olympic yeah. size, Olympic
0: size swimming pool. Size we yeah. dropped a lot of Olympic size swimming pools <laughs> yeah. on that race It's the and most. That's huge. the most most water that has touched the Nevada desert in the past like two and, and a half years. Oh yeah, days,
1: we've been drowning like crazy, but <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, we got around, and like I said, for the most part, I just kept my feet on the little mini bar. There's like one little footrest bar, and I just kind of hooked my left foot on top of it and (laughs) put my right foot on the side next to the chassis and kind of let it go (laughs) wasn't too worried about it
0: oh man is that a high comp or a low comp uh
1: it's a low comp and uh so how do you like
0: it i I know that there's going to be a few people listening that they're in the debate of the high versus low comp you know debacle in 1600 and just so everybody's aware kurt gear one um with a low comp a a sizable lead nothing too crazy um was not leading for the first two and a half laps of, of day two. Uh, Robbie Hendrickson was leading, uh, pulled the whole shot and ran. A, that's the cleanest race. That's the smoothest driving I've ever seen out of Robbie Hendrickson. So hats off to him. He, he's finally had a little luck on his side, um, put a full weekend together, got second overall. Um, Kurt Gear won it. I believe...
1: What was the payout for the win on that? So, man? over
0: 14 grand went to the winner Ooh. of for first place, 1600. 1600 Yeah.
1: That's crazy. It's crazy. The- hey, hey, Kurt, you should help us out <laughs> with a, a camera over here. Uh,
0: yeah, he's right. He's a couple streets over. He could probably cough up a couple bucks. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so, um, as always, Snore has the biggest payout. But um, 1600 there's always been this... And we've talked about it in previous episodes, the low comp versus high comp. And... You know, Kirk Gear won with the low comp, but Robbie Hendrickson had a, a, a. I think his car was built in nineteen
2: oh seven. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that motherfucker had wood years it on it. So old. <laughs> um, I believe it's an eighty-one or something. It's it. I think it's early early eighties or late seventies raceco chassis. Um, the old three. Remember the three shocky the three shocky Rear ends. Mm-hmm. That's that's what it used to be. Um, and he's got a fat performance, hybrid fat performance, Dave Co high comp motor. And dude through I couldn't really see a whole lot like on straightaways and stuff because in a desert race, obviously it's hard to like depict that, but he he whooped Kurt's ass in the short course. So low comps make more torque. I think they use the power band more efficiently and better. Um, from you sitting in the sixteen hundred car, you you rode with him when he had a high comp, correct? Uh, I believe the very first year you rode with him, he might have had a high comp for a race or something, and then switched. No,
1: I think he had the the Jimenez low comp at. Uh... Rage at the river last year was okay. the first time okay. I rode with Alec. Okay. Okay. So say it was like pretty new, if not brand new, at that point. So
0: it'd be it'd be tough for you to probably remember, but the last time you were probably in a 1600 was either with Jason Coleman or with CJ Hutchins.
1: Right. I rode with uh, James Dean actually out at Lucerne for a race, and I don't remember if his was a high comp or low comp. It would have been high comp. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think they were high comp up until recently, so yeah. Gotcha.
0: So I was just curious. I mean, from I haven't been able to you know sit down and jam about the difference between seat of the pants feel in a in a high comp versus low comp. Um, like rage, I, rage. I think a low comp is going to be superior mainly because there's a mile and a half uphill sand run uh, right after the moon bumps. I right. think that's going to be detrimental. But at a race like Battle of Prim, I think Robbie Hendricks improved. It doesn't really matter. I think you have to have a solid program across the board.
1: I think you just got to be a good driver. Zero problem. You know, problem. There's a, there's you, know, a lot you of can't, a lot yeah. Of not having mistakes in the day. You can't put like, it on animals. a bike.
0: You can't, you can't have a motor cut out. You can't have the skid plate rip off. Like, you Especially can't have a problem. Like like, right. Time is of
1: the essence. Right. Every corner, right. you know. You miss a corner one minute, you know. One second off, right? There goes three, four seconds to the guy just past you. Mm-hmm. So it's tricky.
0: Yeah. Um. As a so for sixteen hundred, we did something different this year. So usually in short course races, we do anywhere from thirty seconds gap on the the rows up to a minute. Um. The timing team came to me this year and said. We can't really screw around with this. Forty seconds, forty-five seconds—it's hard. They're using an atomic clock, and it just gets too difficult. So, I made the decision to do thirty seconds or a minute. And then, at, you know, Friday night, I was—I was there until one o'clock in the morning, trying to figure out how I'm going to give these guys a good race and a safe race and stuff. So,
1: and enough time to complete the race. Correct,
0: think. and enough time to get everybody off the staging line before the next guy, before the leader on the road comes through. So I gave 1600s one minute. Now you've raced short course races with Snore at 40 seconds gap in between the, the rows. Did the minute help or hurt? Was it because, in, in my opinion, you know, if I'm sitting in the race car, I'm thinking, I don't really want that minute gap for me because I want to be able to see him. So I can chase him down because if I, it's like smelling blood in the water for me. Absolutely. So, so for you as a competitor in the class, how was that minute? Was it too big of a gap? Was it good for dust? Did it?
1: I think it created a different, uh, just a different aspect of it. Where again, like you can't see anybody in front of you, but nobody can see you either. So mm. it gives you that time to like, if you're gonna make a mistake, do it then. Don't do it when they're right next to you because right. you're not gonna be able to fix that. But. Um, Yeah, I think for the most part, it worked out for us as far as getting past certain people and then being able to stay in like a nice little uh, dustless pocket, you know, Mm -hmm. just riding around in this pocket and just keeping it clean. Right. Consistent and uh, yeah, it's tricky out there. Yeah.
0: So we'll circle back to Battle Prim. Um, A lot of people don't know who you are, Drew. Um, um, Like I said before, you're kind of the man behind the mask. Uh, I don't know
2: who I am. (laughs) A lot of people know him as Drew, CJ's co-writer. Yeah.
0: So give me a little bit of a background, um, you know, whatever you want to share um, on who you are, what you do outside of racing, what you do inside of racing, that kind of thing.
1: Well, I uh, started racing with CJ, I think it was my senior year in high school, and I uh, I rode in a 16 car by accident. My brother was supposed to ride with the dude, and we had a party that night. Got a little rambunctious, and my brother woke me up at 5 in the morning, ripped a wristband off of his arm, handed it to me, and told me to go to CJ's house, and I got to go to this race. Get to the race, knew nothing about a race car, never seen one before in my life. And uh, get down there, and he's like, where's your brother? Well, he's not here. I'm here, and I got this stupid red bracelet that i'm supposed to put on and so his sister put some duct tape on it and uh he showed me how to use a bumper jack because i'd never seen one before mm-hmm. and we got in the car and took off put a race suit on and a helmet and was like all right man here we go and what do i do i don't, I don't know i don't know what i'm doing mm-hmm. you know and so he's like well you know how to shift a car just let me know if i need to shift up or shift down that's you know about as good as it's going to get if you can see a corner in front of us let me know all right so they dropped a green flag and they had a neat little infield. It was the, it's like a Snort 250 that they did in El Dorado Valley, I believe okay. it's called, where BLM's Revenge and all that shit is yeah. over there. That was pretty intense. Um, rolled the car on the second lap and uh, never been in a rollover before, but rolled the car and it was pretty interesting. We were supposed to be making a left and we went straight up and over a berm and then tumbled the car. Landed on the driver's side. And, uh, I went to get out and he started yelling, don't get out. Somebody might hit us, you know? And I was like, oh shit, this is insane. What are we doing out here, man? And, uh, so he crawled out of the car, waves at me to get out of the car and not paying attention. I pulled the belts and fell to the bottom of the car and that's that. sucked. crawled <laughs> out and I was like, well, we're done for the day. And he's like, no nah, man. So he runs over and starts trying to flip the car over and I'm like, what the hell are you doing? Dude, help me get the car back on the wheels. We gotta go. We gotta go. Like, what are you... Like, the car is upside down, man. If this was a street car, you know, that mm-hmm. car's done. It's mm-hmm. on its lid. you find a new car. Yeah, you get another one. And he's telling me we got to flip it over. So we both sat there and kind of cranked on it, trying to flip it back over. But there was a rock on the backside, and uh, we couldn't get it past that rock. So I went and grabbed the bumper jack off that he just showed me how to use like, 40 <laughs> minutes earlier. And uh, put it up underneath of there and cranked it up just past the rock. And then we got underneath of it and flipped it over. and. He's yelling at me to get back in the car, and I'm like, what are we – we're going to go now, you know? And he's like, yeah, yeah. So we get in the car and uh, sitting there for a second, like, are you going to start this thing, you know? And he's like, well, i got to wait for the oil to fall back to the bottom of the engine because I don't know any of this shit, you know? So we're sitting there, take off, and got to the finish, and I believe Brian Freeman got in and did the second two laps. It was Brian and uh, Bill Suter, Mm -hmm. CJ's (laughs) brother-in-law. and uh they got in and i got out and i had still just met cj and his family so i get out of the car and everybody's kind of tiptoeing around me like oh my god we don't know this kid like his parents are going to kill us man hold like, the car <laughs> yeah like you know so it was pretty intense and uh so i get out of the car take the helmet off and everyone's just kind of like hey are you are you okay like oh my god that was the gnarliest thing i've ever done dude like if I ever need to go to the desert, I don't care. I will change a tire in the pit. I don't. I don't even need to get in the car again. But that was the raddest thing I've ever done. And uh, as a matter of fact, it ruined roller coasters for me. I went to Six Flags a couple weeks after that race and got on one of the like coolest roller coasters at Six Flags and sat there staring around like, "This is fucking boring, man." Like, <laughs> what a controlled chaos yeah. here, and you know, yeah. in the desert, it's no such thing. But different type of adrenaline. Yeah. So then again, even from there, like, I didn't ride much anymore after that, but I chased him through the desert for years, you know, and come to find out, you know, you go to short races or races that you have point to point and it's all about pitting. So you got to be able to change a tire faster than the next dude. Cause if they come in getting a flat and you got a flat, you got to get your dude out of there before they get out of mm-hmm. there. And that's the win right there, you know? So I always wanted to be the baddest tire changer out there. Like you come to my pit and you're not losing. If you come to my pit for something, you know? And, uh, so yeah, just chasing around forever. Ended up going to Mexico a few times and just getting the time off to be able to go was kind of crucial, you know, and get down there and hang out and started pre-running with him and learning how to use the GPS and kind of progress from there. Mm-hmm. Slowly got in every once in a while and, then, uh, the, uh, 2018 season, uh, CJ and Bill, uh, had broken their back at Silver State, so it kind of gave me the opportunity to get in a couple more times through the year, you know, and then, uh, Bill kind of backed out, you know, health issues, and family, and work, and all that, so it was, just kind of left the seat for a guy, and never expected to keep riding in the car, but, it, you know, I'll keep doing it. Yeah. It's rad. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, keep riding in a I've ridden in a 16 car with him, his 10 car, and the one car, and it's all been pretty rad. And I think uh, I think it's funny when I go ride in a 16 car now because everyone's trying to explain to me, well, this is a 16. It's not a one car. <laughs> You're going to have to, like, adjust, you know? And it's like, well, I'm not really adjusting because I know exactly what these things yeah. are capable of. Yeah, yeah. You know? And, again, I, I really enjoy riding in 16 cars, man. They're freaking battle tanks, dude. Yeah. It's, it's amazing what those things can do in the desert. It really is.
0: You, you can you can pretty much beat the hell out of them, and they keep going uh, mm-hmm. to an extent. Yeah. Um, it's funny that you brought up the rollover. So I want yeah. to talk about y- your first time in the car rolling yeah. over. Let's fast forward to the last time you rolled over in a race car, Vegas Sereno, two years ago. Yeah. Yep. You were chasing Rob Mack?
1: Uh, no, we had already, Rob had pulled over. Oh yeah, that guy. was fresh tracks. Yeah, so we had, we had gotten uh, second in qualifying, started right behind Rob, and uh, it was a follow the leader kind of race, you know, you know how that race goes, and mm. fire roads and whatnot. So we're just following the guy around, and at some point he had pulled over, and when he pulled over, I didn't know it was Rob, I thought it was some spectator out in the middle of like nowhere, and was like, oh shit, this dude's like on <laughs> the race course, man, what is this guy doing right. here, you know, and. I'm telling CJ that, and he's like, no, that's Rob, you know, and so we pass Rob, and now we're fresh tracks on the road, and the roads are real skatey when they're fresh like that. So uh, I believe we had Bryce Menzies behind us at that point yeah. when we had rolled, and uh, we came around a corner, and it was a lot softer than we thought it was, and pushed out to the outside a little bit too much. Uh, the car went up on a bicycle. CJ saved that, brought it back down, but when it came down, the softness kind of dug the other tires, and we tumbled the car, didn't even roll it. It went from the wheels, it flicked, bounced off the passenger side roof, it just nicked the top of the roof, and then landed back on the wheels immediately thereafter. <coughs> Made sure CJ was good, I was good, so I jumped out of the car to make sure we didn't have a flat. Got back in the car with no flat, and uh, we drove to the next pit. And They just put some more oil in the car and filled it back up full of fuel and gave us some fresh tires, and we took off. Made it from there, and uh, I guess it surprised Bryce and his team when they saw us come in because they thought we had tumbled the car bad, apparently, and it wasn't even as bad as everybody had made it out to be. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we just kept going and got through, I think it was we were in Hawthorne, maybe? Maybe not quite to Hawthorne. Not quite. And, uh, yeah, and then the one of the rear pivots let go on the passenger side of the car, and yeah. that was just kind of... Fuck a race for us there. Yeah,
0: you guys were leading overall at that point. For, yeah. You had a good gap.
1: It was, uh, yeah, it was definitely going our way until that happened. But
0: uh, we followed that up
1: last year with the uh, second overall, chasing Bryce down again. And we got five miles from the finish and had a crank damn near break in half, <laughs> just holding itself together on like minuscule bits of metal.
2: And, oh, my And uh, we cut it at
1: about 10, 15 miles an hour from five miles out to the finish.
0: Another race that we had leading overall on yeah, time, yeah. But,
1: but, yeah. So, yeah, crazy things. I think uh, still to this day the craziest is being at the Mint 400 and having that blowout on the driver rear going 134 across the dry lake bed. I think we were chasing Dan McMillan down, and, uh, yeah, we were just off to the side of him just staying out of the dust on the lake bed and just calling out miles to CJ, mile per hour, you know, like 127. 130, come on, dude, get your foot in it, you know? And he's like, dude, my foot's in it, you know? And all of a sudden, <laughs> bam, shotgun sound, and it was the most violent thing I've ever seen. Don't hit the brakes. And uh, all I could say was, don't hit the brakes, man. Don't hit the brakes, because if you hit them, this is going to get wild, real, real wild. And uh, so, got on the radio, I was like, hey, boys, uh, we just got a flat going 134. I'm going to get out real quick and do this tire change. I'll be back in a minute, you know? And so, uh the, the dudes that build the engine for the car thought I was like absolutely out of my mind after the race. They came up to me like, dude, there's no way you should have like with a sane mind got back in that race car after that happened. I was yeah. like, Well, we're racing, man. This is this is what racing is, you know, yeah. and I know what to do when you get a blowout going that fast, just don't hit the brakes and just hold the wheel as hard mm-hmm. as you can and Yeah.
0: It's, it's, racing, a, man. it's a crazy comparison to see like the way you tell the story and how you were acting from the first time, you know, to you know, what we do is insane. Like it's it's damn near clinically insane what we do. Uh, triple digits through the desert. A I lot can of agree like Vegas, Sereno yeah. is probably one of the worst because there's no available pre-run. Well,
1: I think what makes it even crazy is people don't realize you can tell people these stories, but if you're not a racer, you've not been in a race car like this before. You really, you've never experienced. You really it. have right. no idea. You right. know, even an in-car camera is not really helping right. you with the, the, you know, the yeah. wind and the heat. Yeah.
0: And the well, I, and the... what's really fun to me is that yeah. I got a lot of short course friends, and I'm sure a lot of them will be listening to this. And short course is wild in its own in its own, like, tier of off-road racing, you know. Um, not a lot of people can do what we do in short course. You know, a lot of desert guys have tried to transition, and and it just doesn't work. Um, how long you can hold it into the corners and, and how, how you can handle a guy rubbing on you and pushing you, and you got to push back. And, and yeah, it's only 15 minutes long or 20 minutes long, but you're going 110% that entire Yeah, Yeah, that 15 minutes where the desert, you're always trying to go 100%, but there's a lot of times where, like, Vegas Sereno does it for you. Um, Silver State up in Caliani does it for you. You can kind of take a second on a straightaway or a section that you're really familiar with to kind of, like, regroup, and you go, holy shit, dude, that was awesome. Like, I can't believe we just did that. Or, holy shit, dude, you almost killed us. Or, okay, we're doing 151 miles an hour right now. It doesn't take much brain thought to, like, be going straight. We just have to make sure we don't wad this thing up. You can kind of take a second to, like, pace yourself and get back into a groove, whether it's breathing or or a mental state or something. Like, the Baja 1000 is, is... Really, really good for that. If you don't take advantage of stuff like that, you can't win the Baja 1000. Correct. And for anybody that can sit down and say, oh, I can drive the Baja 1000 from start to finish at 110%, no, you're you can't. Wrong. No, you, you can't. can't. We've seen people try to do it. It doesn't work. You either need another driver or Lots of you're not at. Well, I, Yeah, you, you, know. you can do the A 1000 touch. solo. I think it's still doable, but you yeah. got to train for it. And you have to take advantage of times where you can reset your brain. Even if you're stopping for fuel and tires, and it's the only 50 seconds you can take, you have to take it, and you have to go, okay, I'm here. I just made it to, you know, race mile 700. I've got another 350 to go. I've been in the car for 18 hours, but this is my time. Here's my snack. Here's my drink. Like, reset and go. You don't have that in short course. But short course, guys can't necessarily come in a desert and, and yeah, they can probably desert race, but can they run with the top
1: guys? You know? And again, I think at the pace going long distance races that way, it's, it's a lot different as far as that's concerned, but yeah. they definitely short course dudes can come out and do, you know, desert racing. Mm-hmm. going to, it's going to be a little bit of a learning curve, but yeah, you figure it out.
0: Yeah. And I learned that when I was real young, um, uh, when I was racing snowmobiles with my dad and stuff, my, my niche was short races, oval races. That was my thing. I was I was pretty freaking good at it. Um, where I struggled was the endurance stuff. My dad was awesome at it. He he did it for years, you know, and uh, he could just come out, that old bastard. He could just come out and just smoke all of us kids and, you know, smoke everybody. Else. And he didn't even look like he was trying. And yeah. it took me a long time to realize that it's a whole different mental attitude you know what i mean you got to come at it differently you can't you cannot go 110 percent it's just not possible you'll either wad it up or you'll make a mistake or you'll get off the pace without even knowing it you think you're doing 110 percent but you're only really doing 70 and these guys that are fresh are catching you you know we've all been there um so it's a big big game um let's i look at like if i was to race battle at prim or rage at the river i think that's a big mental game I think you can psych a lot of guys. That, there's guys that get so worked up before the race weekend even starts. Oh, oh, this guy's cheating. This guy's got
2: this part. I don't have that part. That's illegal. That- I'm going to protest this guy, that guy, and the other
0: 95% person. of those people don't win or even
1: take top five. I tell you, it's even funny, though, because you have a, bu- a bunch of these fast dudes out there, you know, and everyone starts to worry, well, these fast dudes are out there, and it's like, well, if you worry about them, you're not driving your race, yep. and that's going to ruin your race for you. you yeah. know? Like If if you just worry about yourself and do a good job for you, then typically a lot of these dudes are getting times from their pits that this dude is still behind you and staying consistent. So they have to drive harder to get away from you, which then creates mistakes. Yeah. So I think the chess move has to be played appropriately for certain races as mm-hmm. well you know like well sometimes, i think sometimes you do need to drive at 70 percent. sometimes you do need to drive at 100 yep. you know and so it, it's really just kind of making sure that you're in the right place to be mm. able to do that right and again if you can then it, you're definitely going to save your equipment and yeah. then you're going to get to the finish with fresher equipment yeah and,
0: then, you know? and what what i really like about the two days so for people who are listening who don't really understand what battle of prim and rage at the river means it's a two day mm-hmm race it's a 13 mile course you race uh most classes like pro classes are six laps Um, you race day one and then you start day two based off of your day one finish the person who finishes at the end of the weekend combined time the 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 lowest time um wins right it's like a moto style event you know the lowest points you know So what's really cool in my mind is like what Drew just said. He's like, if you're thinking about someone else, if you're thinking about other guys and what you need to do during the race, you're pretty much already beat by the top tier guys. The way I look at it is the only time you need to worry about other people is that Saturday night. You get the car looked over, it's fresh, it's – all cleaned up, ready for day two, and you sit there with your crew or your co-driver or however your team works, and you go, okay, we just took first place for day one. We have a 20-second lead over second place. Tomorrow, we need to hold that lead. We know what he can do. We need to hold that lead, and our, our pit needs to keep us updated on splits. And that's it. We just have to worry about that guy. If you're going to sit there and worry about 30th place coming up to the front on time, which is possible, we've seen it happen this weekend, that's a whole different ballgame. That's almost damn near impossible to try and figure out. Okay, But that split second on that Saturday night when you're prepping for Sunday, you can sit and think about what, what you need to do to beat everybody else. If you're fifth and you have to make up 20 seconds to get to the leader, then you know you've got to push it, you got to make up 20 seconds. But during that race day, like you said, you've got to just run your race. You have to run the pace that you know you can run, that's not going to break the car, that's not going to hurt you guys.
1: It's not going to roll the car. Not going
0: to roll the car, not going to get you a penalty, none of that dumb stuff. You know you have to know that. And I think that if you look at the results of some of our races in Best in the Desert and score, you can see this, this astronomical gap between who's got it and who doesn't and and i hate to sound like super mean about it but it's just facts i mean some people got it and some don't and those guys who don't got it hey if they're having fun if they're having fun they're having fun you know what i mean that's their own deal they're spending their own money to have a good time but just for this season you know as an outsider looking in i'm going Here's the people who have it. They they know what they're doing. Like you and you and uh, Alec, Alec, right? Not Alex. Alex, sorry, yeah. With a C. With a C. You and Alec have done what you guys have needed to do to stay in the points lead. I don't know how it how it got all shaken up because these short course events, these guys come in that aren't in the points lead and really really stir the pot, you know. Absolutely. So, but you guys did what you needed to do to come in to this weekend with a points lead in. There's nothing better you could have done. Right. You could have won every race leading up to this. Right. I bet. I think that's the only way you could have done it, like with the extra nail in the coffin. And that would have given you a pretty good gap leading into Rage.
1: But again, you're talking about a kid with less experience than half the field. I'd, I'd have to say, you know, his, yeah. his seat time is definitely not as, as tremendous as a lot of right. the other drivers out there. Which, having ridden with him at Rage last year and then going into Battle of Prim this year, this kid has progressed astronomically, Mm -hmm. you know, just over a short year of, you know, and I think the neat part too is, is he's never done a full season before. So this is the first time he's done a full season. And the only reason they're doing the season is because he's done so well, you know, consecutively through the races. And, uh, it's been kind of neat to watch.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, it, it has for me, too, not only because, you know, my homie's riding in the car, but because I've gotten to know him better because you're riding in the car. Right. Um, I don't get to meet and, and and become friends with a lot of these racers. In, in my position especially, it's kind of, oh, he, he's the guy who can give us penalties, and we just kind of, you know, we keep our mouth shut, we stay away from him. But I get to meet a, a, a lot of cool people doing what well, i'm doing well, and, I, and he's a great kid he's a absolutely. super great kid absolutely but on the other hand you have to look at just for example robbie hendrickson robbie's absolutely. been racing for a while i want to say he's probably been in a car for at least eight to ten years yeah whether it's I've riding or heard driving heard. that alone that right there that that beats alec absolutely out of the water absolutely Then Robbie, if he's not in the race car, he's on a simulator. Now, can you, can you, is there a simulator program out there that, that depicts desert racing? No, No, but rally, the rally racing simulators that they have are pretty much the closest thing you're going to get. And he, Robbie's on that simulator every day, every week he's putting hours in because he wants to be a driver and, and, you can say what you want about the simulation racing and driving and training. It does something. I don't know if it's going to put you up front just because you can run fast on a computer or a PlayStation or whatever you choose, but you get the, a lot of what I've learned over the years isn't so much like how, how much faster you can go than the next guy. It's more of like training your brain on, like, especially in the desert, you have to train your brain and your eyes To work together so you and CJ in the one car you're doing over 100 miles an hour for a majority of the time you have had over the years have to train your brain on how to read terrain because some of these races you don't get a pre-run you can have as many notes you know we print it we laminate those notes you know and we tape them on the roof for you or whatever but you can have as many notes as you want It still comes down to how are you reading this
1: terrain. You know, I think think there's a little of that, and there is a lot of memory involved as well. Because a lot of these courses don't change too frequently, right? So again, there is a lot of just like memory-based. Yeah. And and again, I think it's neat when you do have pre-runs because there's just like conversations you can have through different sections. That, that'll help you remember when you get back there like oh right. man remember when that horse was right here on the left and we yeah. almost smoked it or yeah. You know, yeah like the thing is over there that big rock with a funny little dildo looking thing on it like yeah you know like you use markers in the desert even aside from the gps itself mm-hmm. just to keep acclimated to where you are and well that was
0: one of the greatest things um i got a many 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 miles of pre-running in down in mexico with green army and justin and jeremy davis and one of the things that really helped me is it was like. I a, think his last
1: name's Davis, by the way, Justin. Davis. He said Davidson. Yeah. I'm him for him. Are you a, a
2: Harley? I did this. I say yeah. Davidson? I got you, you Justin. Oh, by like the Justin, way, Harley, Harley race. Davidson. <laughs> hey,
1: Justin,
0: <laughs> yeah. you still got beat by
1: three tenths of a second for the Oh, damn, dude! <laughs> but he was he he a Him and Kevin all skinny pedaled for one second, and you should have just held it in the floor. One second, you would have been the man.
0: We're gonna, to we're gonna Johnson. circle back to that very quickly um but sorry I didn't I, I'm trying to like I'm trying to do the, the like the host thing where you're like you're talking about something and then you're trying to think about what you're gonna ask the next thing um but one of the biggest things for me was was the the area recognition I know that when we drop into this here valley after right. this rock I know that it's gonna go left right right Right, like right, left, left, Super rocky hole, or right, spectators, blah, 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 blah. Off the tree. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know. That helped a lot. And then, you know, during race day, one of the coolest things that I can do is I was the one who saw every mile of the race course. So on the race day, they're like, oh, we think you got a flat uh, just past this. And I was like, get on the radio because we had a repeater, mm-hmm. you know, get on the radio. Where are they at? JD will get on the radio and say, hey, uh, I'm at this and that. And I'm like, okay, I know exactly where it is. There's two access roads that can fork in here if he needs help. We can run down this road, blah, 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 this and that and this and that. And that is a very, very, very good tool to have when you're doing stuff like Mexico. And,
1: again, even for me, the first few times I went to Mexico, I wasn't riding in the car. I would go down there and pit. Like, RJ and I would go down there and chase it around and, you know. And, again, the neat part, too, is is when you bring enough crew members – if you're in a four seater, then you know, every other day you might get to get in the pre-runner and go through a section. Right. So again, like being able to communicate to your pit guys that, like, hey man, if we come through here and you hear us talking about this, it means that like it's gnarly rocky. Look at all these rocks. Yeah. And we have a potential flat tire on our hands. Yeah. So you need to be ready at the pit in front of us with a tire here. Yeah. You know, just in case. And and uh yeah. Otherwise it, it makes it super neat, you know. And then that way when you are on the radio, you're telling your dudes like, Hey man we're coming through that super rocky area where you took a pee off the waterfall, you yeah. know, and you're like, oh yeah, yeah, I know exactly where they yeah. are, you know, and you can relay it to the other dudes you're with, and
2: you're you able know. to gauge time a little bit better as well. Right. it would be like, okay, they're going to be here in 10, 15 minutes exactly. or whatever. Mm-hmm. So
0: that's why I really love Mexico because you can kind of you can kind of shine. You can see who does their homework, who who has the knowledge, and then you can see the people who just flat out don't. And right. Again, I go and I say, oh, you're having a good time. I don't think racing, in my personal and semi professional amateur, per, uh, uh, goddamn, what's the word I'm looking for? Opinion. Um, I don't think that going to race Mexico just to say you're racing Mexico or to go have a good time, quote unquote, is the best thing to do. Because it's dangerous as hell. Oh, absolutely! It's hands Everything down. Everything
1: about Mexico is I, a little unsafe. Yeah, and unsettling I, at times. You yeah, know, like I have, thing.
0: I have that bi-national card, which you pay two hundred and fifty dollars a year, and if you can get service, okay, there's the question. If you can get service, you call this number, and a helicopter flies from San Diego. To get you gotcha. and take you back to the United States. Yeah, that's super cool. And there's no question. There's nothing. I mean, it's an insurance policy basically. They pick you up. They don't care what happened. They grab you and they take you back to the You're states. Saying
1: you can go to Mexico, do some dirt down there, and get a helicopter ride out like a kingpin. Mm-hmm. That's pretty. Sounds bad. like it for two hundred ten dollars a. I mean, two hundred fifty bucks.
0: Yeah. It's it's, it's one, one of the it's, it's one of the, the smartest easy things easy. that you can do. The problem mm-hmm. is is the cell phone service
1: gotcha
0: because there's yeah you're in, out of a thousand miles like when we did the when we did the baja 1000 in uh i don't remember the year for the 50th in in 1140 some miles 600 or so of those race miles there was zero cell reception nothing and
1: i think what makes it worse is you have satellite phones down there and a lot of the time your satellite phone doesn't even operate right appropriately, right appropriately you know and Shit, the one year CJ and I were uh, getting towards the finish and we were trying to use the satellite phone to call out and uh, he ended up being able to use his cell phone to get service and, you know, it was kind of (coughs) ridiculous.
0: Crazy. So, might as well circle back to Battle Prim because let's talk about... (laughs) Let's talk about Justin Davis who showed up um, with... Hands down, one of the baddest one cars there is. Oh, absolutely! I mean, that thing is one of the baddest. Dude. One of the baddest. One of the baddest. Yeah, the, it might be second place.
1: <laughs> it's only know, got man. one it's, it's seat, ba- so dude. it's pretty that bad. Is, yeah, that's a, that is a bad. So, car. so
0: Justin races a Jimco single seater. Um, it's badass. I'm not. I, I won't go into specs and all that stuff. That's their information. If they want to talk about, it, they can. I don't care. It's fast. Okay. It's super fast. They've can got it, it dialed.
1: These one cars are fast as shit, but the car is only as fast as the dude driving the car. Right, exactly. And that's that's kind of critical here. Is you know, you're oh, like Justin
0: a- is one of the fastest guys in the desert.
1: Yeah, Absolutely, you know, and that's what makes it neat too. Is you know, you can say that. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, high five, Justin. Yeah.
0: So you still
1: lost by <laughs> three tenths, though, man. What the hell? Dude? So
2: over two days. So
0: to explain the people how I know. did the race this year, um. I I let the pro classes with 15 entries or more qualify. And obviously, Class 1, Trophy Truck, um, 6100 just missed the cut, so they didn't get to qualify. So the way I started the race Saturday morning is out of Trophy Truck and Class 1, the fastest number one qualifier started off the line first.
1: As a matter of fact, I thought that was pretty rad.
0: And they brought the whole class with them. Right. So it was class one versus trophy truck on who started first on Saturday. Justin qualified first out of everybody. Justin started on the row by himself, two by two to follow. And then uh, Kevin Thompson started on the row by himself, two by two to follow, and then the 6100s. So Justin Mm -hmm. took off. He put in probably three or four, like, elbows up,
1: Laps to try and get a gap as a matter of fact, I think as I heard it he uh, was doing super good on the first two laps and then found himself in a nice cushiony spot and kind of laid off a yeah. little bit, is what I was told.
0: Yeah, he, he definitely, he kind of put it on cruise control, didn't want to wreck stuff, wanted to keep it together. He knew he had a well, gap on class day one. In racing, so well, you
1: can't, again, that's the whole strategy. Yeah, you you can't, can't go fucking your shit to, right, you know? Right.
0: And again, they came into this weekend only worrying about class one. They right. weren't worried about anything else. That's not their MO. They're just there. They have a points lead. They're trying to go for overall points and they're trying to win class 1 as anyone in their own class would do. Right. The problem is is when you start to look at times and you think on the end of Saturday, we could probably overall this thing. The problem is what had happened, we had a we had a Zach myself timing staging issue on Saturday. So mm-hmm. Every row was supposed to start 30 seconds apart. What happened, the first three rows started a minute apart. I was sitting on the infield looking for accidents because that's where we we have a problem.
1: How did that happen? Was that just to create a space for the bigger vehicles to go? There was a miscommunication
0: between me and the timing. Everybody was supposed to be, as of Friday night, everybody was supposed to be 30 seconds apart. We didn't have enough time. Because Justin can do a lap in 12 minutes right. and I need to I think get everybody out.
1: Came back before the yeah, last almost. We were,
2: we were only a little bit concerned about it. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, as the third guy left, I was calling on the radio You're doing it at a minute. You need to do it at 30, as, right now. Yeah. Go. Like, we're running out of time. So, it was just a miscommunication. It's no big deal. But what they didn't factor in, because they were, so the Green Army team was keeping tabs on Kevin Thompson in the trophy truck. Mm-hmm. So at the end of Saturday, they said, oh, man, we're we're good. Like, no problem. We got plenty of a gap. But what they didn't know, because it was obviously that's not really public information because we don't think about it. What they didn't know is the first three rows went off at a minute. So the time gap was wrong for them, what they were seeing on course. Gotcha. So I had a conversation with them because they were all worried about results. So I had a conversation with them. I told them what had happened. They, Everybody's brain clicked at the same time. Oh, okay. No problem, right? So they started. So what I did for day two is I mixed them because it's not really fair to make a guy work their way all the way up on day one and then have to get reset and have to right. do it again on sa- on right. Sunday. So I said, let's mix them. Yeah. Go for it. Doors and tires, like I, whatever you got to do, you know? So it was by far the coolest thing that we've done in a long time is a trophy truck and a class one car left the line up front by each other, with each other.
1: And there was a couple of 6100s in the top of that. Yeah, so was Jason, Jason, Jason yeah. Coleman Jason was like, well. third, fourth? Yep, yeah. second so row. Second. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, that was pretty rad. It's definitely neat to see like <laughs> the mixing of the trucks. And again, it goes back to driving where it's like, mm-hmm. well... You're in one of the fastest one cars. This dude's in one of the fastest trophy trucks, and that dude's in, like, a super badass 61, and you're all in, like, a real similar time gap. even. Like, that's pretty rad, man. Yeah.
0: So then on Sunday, I had a little bit of time, not much, but I started going to different checkpoints during the race, trying to keep an eye on stuff, you know, see how it's going. And going to Road Crossing 1, going to the dike jump, going to Checkpoint 10 by Frankie, A.O., Frank...
1: Hey, yo, Frankie, (laughs) volunteer points, doggie.
0: So I was cruising all over the place, and I had realized that Kevin uh, behind Justin was on some sort of a gap. He was kind of just laid out, you know, just kind of running his time. And I think somebody told him, like, hey, Justin's kind of just, like, on, like, two laps to go kind of mood. Like, I'm going to finish this race, not break anything. And uh, Kevin, like, turned it on. Yeah, And it was visibly different to see how hard he was pushing.
2: Well, he also only had to make up about 20 seconds. So that's literally he finished Correct. 20 seconds ahead of Justin, and that's all he had to do. Correct.
0: Yeah, so just to fill everybody in on the details, Justin was 20 seconds behind Kevin after day one. So what when they took off the line together – Justin had to put 21 seconds on Kevin to win all Kevin had to do was come in within that 20 and he won it. Well, guess what? We're coming into the finish line and, and he comes, Justin comes through and I start the timer and I'm like, yo, this is, this is going to be close. And my timer doesn't mean nothing compared to our timing, right. so I just... But it's just a good gauge. Just a good gauge, and when, when Kevin crossed the line, I went, that is way too close to call. I have no idea. I think now I, got,
1: I got a question on this one. Where does the transponder go on these fucking cars? Anywhere you want?
0: So, so Snore recommends that the transponder be mounted on the driver's side A-pillar. Okay. on
2: the outside of the vehicle. Gotcha.
0: On the outside of the vehicle, it's the closest to the to the receiver to the box. Loop. Yep. Um, some people put them on the roof. Some some people put them on the rear bumper. Some people put them down by their feet. So um, it can't go on the front bumper. It can. Oh, it can. Oh yeah. Oh, all right. Yeah, absolutely. There's no rule that says where you can or cannot put the transponder. It just says where we recommend. Gotcha. Now. I know where you're going with this because I had many questions within 1,600 alone for qualifying. Qualifying came down to two-tenths of a second between first and second qualifier.
1: That was pretty rad, too, by the way.
0: That's insane. In a two-mile course with two different engines, Uh it came down to two-tenths of a second. So here's the thing. You can say the transponder picks up early. You can say this and that and this and that. The thing is is the time starts and stops at the same time, okay? So you can't you can't don't think about it as to where your bumper is. I know what you're you just saying. have to think about it. Like imagine you're driving and you right. have the transponder on your necklace. Right. Okay, you are driving that transponder from point A to point B as fast as you can.
1: So even if it is on the rear bumper, you're still going to have the same time as if it was on the front bumper you, because of the position of the car yeah, through the time. you
0: you could yeah. you could argue that at
2: at sixty, 60 miles, miles an down. hour.
1: I'd still prefer it to be right there on the front bumper, though. I would. I would put it on the front
2: bumper, no, hands I, down. I think if you go about 30 or 40 miles an hour, that's when they stop reading the actual ping. So you can't go super fast No, they They them. worked
0: at qualifying. I let them go at really? speed through the loop. All I know
1: is that's whoever crazy. built that start-finish little turn thing did a shitty job. <laughs> man. That was you, I think guy. That ruined... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dude, I, you know, that thing almost got us a couple times. Yeah, and... it got deep. It was uh, it was tricky because I definitely built it with full intention of not being to like not being appropriate. I mm-hmm. wanted it to be wrong so that you had to drive through it. You weren't using a berm to make a turn. Right. You were you know and, and again I had a couple of stipulations that I was told I needed to handle in the process because there was a bunch of gas lines and yep. uh, fiber optic cables and shit underneath of it. So I had to make it with a bunch of bumps and retardedness to it as well. But, uh, I was told to make it so that you could slow people down and just start finish. And, uh, for us, it was fucked up because came around the corner a couple times and we almost got stuck on the outside berm coming into the finish line, like the little mini jump right there. And, uh. I kept thinking to myself, man, if I get stuck on this fucking berm that I built, I'm going to kick my <laughs> so own <pissed>. ass, man. Like, <laughs> dude, what the hell was I thinking?
2: Dude, it stranded a bunch of people <sighs> dude, throughout the weekend. I was going to say, did well, people get stuck? Oh, yeah. There at no, Joe I, David, thought, I honestly thought there was oh, going to be.
0: Oh, yeah. Joe David got stuck, oh, yeah, Joe David got
1: stuck Damn, bad. Joe, my bad, dog.
0: No, it like, everybody that got stuck. It was their own fault. Like, to be completely honest, like...
1: If you're driving, you know, and that's where, again, that was kind of why I made it the way Mm -hmm. I did because you couldn't just go straight into it yeah, get in and get out, you know? And I think that's what made it kind of funny to me when I built it. Like, well... let's see what the bad men can do and let's see what all the jokers are going to do with this. Well, well, I I fully
0: anticipated needing the loader to sit there all weekend to get cars out, but I I didn't need it. I I I, essentially only had about three vehicles get stuck stuck.
1: I tell you what, the only reason I think that didn't happen was because you guys had put the speed sign right before you come into it, which was perfect because if you didn't, the loader would have been pulling trucks out of there all day, every day. So. and I
0: should have had that up earlier. I had full intent on doing that and I was trying to get it up for the pre-run. And then I had to deal with a bunch of other stuff and, and then <laughs> this is, I got to tell this story. So so I'm having I'm having some problems with people not getting stuck and not really blowing the burn but like coming in way too fast. Like right. I was like, okay, they're not going to make it. And this was heat 1. So at <laughs> at friggin' 6.50 in the morning, I'm, like, watching people go through here, like, oh, my God, I'm not even awake yet. Like, I'm trying to figure out what the hell going on, you know. So I run to the parking trailer. I grab some stakes. I grab some 50-mile-an-hour signs. And I'm, like, this can't wait. I have to do this during the heat. So I'm, like, I need to get real fast at pounding stakes and stapling and, like, doing the thing, you know. Yeah. So – The one is easy. The the very first one you see on the left side, it was before you even enter the berms. That was easy. No problem. I just make sure no one hit me, put it in, whatever. The other one, I had to crawl over the berm because it was inset. It was in the corners. You know, like I wanted to do one on the driver's side, so the driver saw it, and I wanted to do one on the the other side, so so the the co-driver saw it. Right. So then I could say, you blew that. Both of you are idiots. Mm -hmm. You know, that kind of thing. So here I am. I run up. I jump over the berm, I pound the stakes in, and I throw the hammer, and then I jump over the berm, and I grab the stapler and the sign, which is very, very difficult to do by yourself, like, in a hurry, you know? So I'm looking, and I see Derek Bradley raced a Razor for Cody.
1: Oh, that's right. That's correct. For
0: Cody Mitchell. Um, he drove on Saturday, and then Cody drove it on Sunday, so you can get his points and all that. But So Derek Bradley got the opportunity to drive it. Heat won. For it was the nineteen hundred class. The correction,
1: that's the Derek Bradley. Oh, Bradley. sorry. Yeah. Right, the the,
0: Derek, the Bradley. Derek Bradley. You
1: better know who you're talking about <laughs> when you're talking about my my man's like that.
0: So I saw him come into the infield and I saw him so I know he's coming. So I'm like, I need to get this. He of all people needs to see it because he needs a lot of reminders. Love you, Derek, but you know, you need a lot of reminders.
1: Hey, man, I, I could say that for any off-road racer, though. Oh, but yeah, it, You absolutely. put a helmet on and the brain's out. Yeah, yeah. Know? So it's, you know.
0: So <laughs> here it's I funny. am. I'm looking back, and I see him coming down the straightaway, and I've got, like, eight staples to put in. And I'm like, I'm oh, like dude, come on, like, slow down, slow down, slow down. And I look again. I put another staple in, and I look because I'm about to bail. Like, if somebody comes in too hot, I just get the hell out of the way, you right. know, and we'll deal with it later. And Derek is full lock. Okay, tire sliding and I look, I almost look him in the eyes and I look at his steering wheel and I watch his hands go full lock left and I put a foot on the berm and I was like, this is it. We've been best friends for 20 years and this is how I'm going to die. My best friend kills me. At a snore race <laughs>
1: with the stupid S bias of all with things, with side by each other,
0: <laughs> and I look back and I'm I'm kind of sweating a little bit, and he saves it and he slows way down and he gives me the thumbs up and I was like, Whew, thank God. I, I thought, thought he was he was coming in huh? hot, but yeah, we got them signs in and, and that like changed the game. That Absolutely. was it was it was perfect.
1: Oh, that corner still sucked. Oh that yeah, whole question mark thing was dumb. Yeah,
0: well and. I was trying to, at the end of day two, it got bad. Like, in the the 10, 12, and 5 unlimited heat, it got super bad.
1: I mean, even for the 16 race, it had gotten super soft, and it started getting pretty damn deep. Well, and I didn't
0: know anything about it, so what was funny is, in that 10, 12, 5 heat, um, CJ CJ was driving Journey's car, and um, they came through, and they get onto the short course track, and journey and cj get on the radio they're like yo there's a huge hole in that chicane can you please fix it yeah it was like and i was like and... i was like yeah i mean i'll go look at it and see what's up and i look and i'm like oh my god it's like it it's almost a two foot square edge right like it it pops the car yeah, and it's... then it sets and then it was it...
1: like that during the 16 it wasn't that bad but it was definitely noticeable yeah so i got in
0: the loader and i'm like i have cars like like bucking this thing you know and I'm in the loader, and I'm <laughs> a car would come through, and I was inches off their bumper with the loader bucket. Drop it, drag it, dump it. I was dumping dirt. And I was waiting for cars to go through. it's I'll tell you what. That is a very, very hectic deal. The water trucks, the, the fixing oh, like absolutely. stuff to fixing keep people safe. Oh my god, we just ain't got enough time in the day. What am I? Getting? I'm not gonna wait in between heats. I don't oh, have enough done. time
1: the the little chicane question mark little jumpy McGurk that I put there at start finish took me two days to put there and it was flat ground when I put it there yeah. there was nothing there yeah. you know so it was moving as much dirt over there as quick as I could to yeah. create something but
0: uh, it was a, it was perfect though it was exactly what we needed because I've had so many problems with speeding through start finish at Battle Prim and like that that for the whoever because Everybody knows uh, this is the last year of me doing race structure stuff. Whoever takes this over and is, like, in charge of that stuff and whoever, like, CJ, like, helps and stuff in the future, that needs to happen. Like, maybe not the exact same thing. Maybe we can figure out something different so it doesn't get so, like, soft and chewed up or something. But that sort of thing needs to happen because guys don't want to start and stop every lap. Right. Because they stall out, they get stuck, they blah 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 blah. And again,
1: if I did it again, I'd probably make it a lot smoother to get yeah. through. As far as you know, you'd still have to slow down to get in and out of it, but I don't think I'm instead of like that, a question well, mark, mid-jump. a little last minute retarded. See minute, that that know? jump
3: though,
0: the 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 jump was good, except if somebody like did it wrong. And then obviously they would be disqueued and then right. they're disqualified and then they would but be again, charged. You, you can't if, really
1: jump it if you're going 15 miles an hour. Right, right. But, you know, but there were some guys
0: who came close and they got penalties, obviously, right. for being you know dum dums. But there, there were some guys who came close to wiping that whole fucking thing out. I'm like kidding. their intent, like their antennas are, you know, a foot and a half, two feet long. Right. Over right. half the antenna right. hit the top of the timing loop, and I went absolutely not like. Oh my God, I'm stressed out. Like $40,000 timing system gone because, you know, Joe Schmo wanted to freaking wrap across yep. the finish line and it wipes out the whole deal. So, yep. Yep. um, next time I think, you know, there should be a jump and then you settle and then you go through the timing trailer. You know what I mean? Like just move that whole chicane back maybe 40 feet and then it would be perfect. Yeah. But my my fault, I should have just moved the, t- <laughs> the timing loop when I looked at this thing and went, okay, we know that people are going to be dumb. There's at least one of them all weekend. Well, that's
1: why I even put the outside berm right after the jump, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Just to stop them from going up the hill right, right there. Right. At least you have something to bounce off of, you know? Right. But, oh well, you know, yeah. you live and you learn mm-hmm. and you get to watch people with skill get through it and the other people that don't have the skill yeah, donkey through it, you know? yeah. I, I, did, I,
0: do I do want know. to give a quick shout-out before I forget. So, Robert Campbell, I don't know how many people know him. Robert, Robert Campbell. <laughs> he's a good buddy of mine. Um, years ago, he got into an accident on his bike, and he was paralyzed from, I believe he's the waist down. Not the chest. I think it's the waist uh, down. Um, and he's he hasn't been racing for years. And last year, he decided to build a uh, a race car. He's like, I, knew, I want to get back into right. it. You know, you obviously can't get back on a bike, but...
1: He's got a side-by-side. Yeah, he's
0: got a, he's got a razor. Um, and he built his own hand controls. I, uh, our buddy Jordan Kundert, who's also paralyzed, um, has helped him. He's Jordan's one of the best fabricators, shock guys, like all around, like so a wicked smart fellow, man. All around dudes, one of the best human beings I've ever met in my life, no, like just hands down. And Robert's been learning a lot from him, and they've been working together and collaborating on a lot of stuff, and they build his – um, hand controls, and this is his. I don't know. I think it's his fourth official race, and he he overalled the weekend. He like just put the laps in and 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 did what he was supposed to do. And actually, his time, I believe, might have to be fact checked on this. I believe his overall weekend time was the fastest side by side to show up. No kidding.
1: Yeah, that's good pretty for good. Him. Yeah,
0: that's cool. really good. Yeah, that's really good in a essentially bone stock you know i don't think he has a whole lot of motor work done to you know what i mean like it's basically a bone stock two-seat razor with hand controls in a cage and doors
1: but again as, as i recall he was a pretty decent dirt bike rider as well i and think track, so yeah track wise i don't know if he was a desert he
0: did a, he rider, did a lot of like, desert racing too oh, okay. yeah he, he was a all around really really good dude on a bike you. Um, and again
1: you know these bike dudes come from bikes into a car and it's a lot easier for them because mm-hmm. the terrain reading is so different. I mean, and you still can't the same fall over. <laughs> reading, but, you know, yeah, ages and cages. You know, yeah. but again, for his scenario, mm-hmm. it's pretty cool that he's back out there. And yeah. then again, hats off to him for being part of the recovery crew. And oh yeah,
0: because oh, that's a good. I'm glad you brought that up. Fact, he literally like, got out of his race car, stayed in his race suit, okay, and got into his truck. He's got a like a uh, F150, or yeah, whatever. Yep, and he does retrieval for us every race. Yeah. He got out of his race car Cheyenne and immediately, yeah, he brings his Cheyenne, race, yeah, yeah. immediately gets in his truck yeah. and reports for duty. Like, mm-hmm. I'm here to retrieve. And he does retrieval all weekend. And both days he did that. As soon as he got out of his race car, high-five his dad, high-five hug his family. Hey, thanks, guys. Like, appreciate it. Help load up. They left. He got in his truck on Sunday and started doing retrievals again. Yeah. He's a really, really solid dude. Um, and if you see him, like give him a high five and stuff. Cause he, he'll help you. Like he'll take his own shirt off his back to help you. Like you're stuck in the desert. You need parts, you need help. Like he'll do whatever it takes to help out. And he's a really, really good dude. So good for him. I'm glad he got that win. That, I, I bet you that feels real good.
1: As a matter of fact, if we're talking about hats off to people, I'm definitely going to have to throw one to CJ for the weekend. Oh as yeah. Far as Absolutely. Taking a, taking a, I don't even know how old that pre-runner car is, but that was the blue car to us back in the day. It's still the blue car. It was built. Got all the freaking Mexico miles on oh, yeah. that car. Man. I think it was built in
0: 98.
1: Uh, all I know is he hasn't driven since the end of last season, and he gets out there in a 12 car and puts the damn thing on a pole with yeah. less engine than everybody else. <laughs> like, what the hell were you doing, dude? <laughs> he's Way got to a wooded out there, guys.
0: He's got a pre-runner motor. He doesn't yep. have the good crank or the cylinders or the pistons or the rings. He's got a mo. He has a Volkswagen Motor yeah. that will take you around Mexico and not die. That's and what he has.
1: Comes out of retirement and puts a twelve car on the pole, man. Like are you kidding me, dude. And he
2: ran top four all weekend. Yeah, you know. Yeah, on Saturday he had a seat issue, he kept going seat slider, bro. back oh, and forth. Right. So he just having a hell of a time trying to control the Flying car or in and the seat. a corner,
1: hitting the gas, and the seat would slide all the way back, and <laughs> then he'd spend the next, like, couple minutes trying to slide the seat back forward to get it going again.
2: And then immediately hit a corner and had have to start all the, the head way head. over yeah. again, yep. so. Man. Yeah. Good for him. He did good.
0: Um, um God, what else happened? Battle Prim was, oh, like, man. so wild. So,
1: so, I had a really cool story happen at uh, the end of day two, so we, uh... I was uh, pitted with, like, the Bradleys and Alex family, the Rodriguez's and whatnot. We had a nice little pit area, not too far even from Justin and them. And, uh, but uh, it was the 1450 race, the last race of the day. And we're sitting at the pit just as you come out of the core track. This truck came out on the last lap, comes by us, and I'm not shitting you, dude. It came, like, 20 feet past us, and the, the passenger side rear wheel Falls out with the axle connected to it out of the rear end of this truck. Comes around the truck as this dude is still driving. It passed him, didn't it? Dragging his truck across the the dirt. The wheel comes around the backside of him, passes him, and hits his own damn motorhome. His own RV, dude. His RV. Yeah. Blast the front end of that RV. What a sad uh, day. What's the probability of hitting your own RV... With the rear end of your car One it in, just came flying off, past you.
2: Not One only that, it was the opposite like side never. of the truck like as well. you
1: couldn't make that happen again if you wanted to. But yeah, so uh, hopefully those people made it home safely. I know they lived in California.
0: I was told that they were gonna duct tape it and drive it to Lancaster. Well,
1: they when I had got over there, the uh, they had already taken all the plastic and the grill and shit that exploded yep. on the front end. They had ripped it all out and taken a bunch of ratchet straps and had ratcheted the, like, (laughs) bumper. There was duct tape on the windshield. Cooling lines. It shattered both windshields in the RV. And they had it duct taped on the edges, you know, on the frame. And uh, so they actually had an awful weekend. I think they had rolled – they had two trucks out there that weekend. And on Saturday, they rolled the one truck, and it was done. And then this truck decided to lose its rear end and uh, destroy their RV because, you know – Tough weekend. Of
0: the, at Tough, Tough weekend. Battle the
3: Prim. Tough
1: weekend. um, how about them trophy trucks were <sighs> qualifying and decided to not make the right hander in turn two. That's a, I was just Please gonna move into. Smokes, boys! He hung. i throttle. And again, shout trotter. out to Robert Campbell for getting that uh, <laughs> shit flipped back over, dude. I'm gonna, Holy smokes!
0: I'm gonna try a new new segment on this on this podcast here that we have for the racing side. Actually, this might transfer into sports too. We don't know. I'm going to call it the horse's ass award or the whistle dick is what desert racers like to call it. Picture yourself. Just, Drew or Jay, just picture yourself. You guys are sitting in your trophy truck, okay? You haven't raced a trophy truck before in your life, okay? Was that the scenario? You just bought this trophy truck, okay? Just bought it. It's a geyser, I believe. Just bought it. It was a pretty nice track. You line up to Battle at Prim, one of the most premier desert races in the United States. like sure, of
1: course, desert.
0: Like, you've got, I would say, uh, Vegas to Reno is definitely number one. Like, everybody, everybody does Vegas to Reno. I would throw up Rage at the River as being second as popularity, and everybody wants to be that. Um, Battle at Prim and um, Silver State kind of fall in the same kind of area, you know? So, one of the, like, most like noted notable cameras, everybody's there, everybody sees everything. And you're first off the line in in qualifying. Okay? You're by yourself. You're not side by side. And as all my short course homies know, we race. So the very beginning of the battle at prim race track is the old core slash torque prim track. (coughs) Nothing's changed. The banking hasn't changed. The jumps haven't changed. They're just a little bit more wore down. So you take off from the start-finish line of the core track, the same as short course, and you go around turn one, and you're staring at eight rhythms, okay? In a trophy truck, if you hold that thing wide open, you could probably get up to about 60 ish yeah 65 miles an hour if your suspension's really good you probably could like touch 70 if you're really stupid this guy i don't know his name i wish i had the list don't it's we don't really need his name maybe we don't really need to call him out i mean we should because no name we should make him a trophy that is a literal horse's ass and give it to him and i'm sure he'd be fine with it he was a pretty laid-back dude so he comes into the rhythm section wide open Leaves the rhythm section wide open. Full donkey doesn't hit the brakes until he hits the K rail and doesn't turn. And very first truck off the line,
2: just endos Does off a full the turn flip in the air before full flip before, before coming air. down upside down. From what
1: I heard, he never let off the throttle until he was full. He, throttle.
0: So he touched. I was so I was parked back so I could watch him go, and he touched the brakes. As the the front front end end was hitting the K rail. And I think he got back
1: on the gas. (laughs) So I'm almost positive he was on the gas when he was upside down. Yeah. So CJ
2: was first on the scene because he was, uh, you know, trying to control the qualifiers waiting that the guy damn near landed on. One (laughs) car's waiting to qualify. Yeah. And he ran, runs over to him like, "You okay? Are you okay? Yeah." He runs over to the one car. "You okay? Yeah." The guy never let off the throttle. It didn't. He was in midair and it was just. Da, da, never lifted. Never
1: lifted. Just on the chin. Oh my so, god. So,
2: from what I understand, his throttle hung. Mm. And. I mean,
0: yeah, I mean, if it did, do uh, it. I if it, a, if I that is a
1: battery switch for issues like that, though, yeah, you know? hey, a but shift or, okay.
0: In his defense, that's not that easy to do when you're panicking, you go for the brakes. Like that's it. I mean, you know what I mean? Like right. that's just how it is Go for him sooner. Yes. Yes. Go for him sooner. My no. thing is, is like, if that is the case, I might retract three quarters of the horse's ass award, but you still get a quarter of the horse's ass award. Like you won it because i have more fuel to the fire that wasn't the only time he rolled over that weekend
1: that was just... oh man he tumbled his car like a few times that weekend yeah. two more times yeah. Lost like once the on saturday and then again on sunday he had to start right?
0: the race on sat on sunday with zero, 00 fiberglass none not not a, not a roof not a door, not a rear bedside, nothing. <laughs> Z- oh, Z- that's work.
1: right. They even had written like the number two on the fucking, <laughs> yeah. So
2: the number that the was, that on that the was side probably the my favorite part because it, it went from qualifying. It was an electrical tape, tape red two. For race day, it was like a sticker two, and for Sunday, yeah. it was again back to like it was a Z- sharpie marker. It was on a piece the of card. He
0: took a piece of cardboard and he like cut some angles so it had some brace behind it, and he taped, he duct taped that right up on the driver's side roof Uh no no fiberglass right to the roll cage which they dude honestly if he's listening which i doubt it because he probably doesn't even know who i am thank you for taking that i mean maybe it only took five minutes but that's a big deal for our staging like at least can you can see the car number and call out where they're supposed to go that's a huge deal and no one would have done that except for this guy. He was so concerned about, like, making sure everything was good. So, right. I mean, props well, to him. Well, that's good race
1: etiquette at that point.
0: Yeah. Even but then if you are
1: going to tumble your car all weekend. Right. But then,
0: here's my thing, Drew. You are sitting in staging, and you see this truck roll over, okay? I, I know where you're going with this one. You see this truck roll over. You would think, you would think that seeing this vehicle yoked off of this corner— in qualifying, that maybe there's something in your brain that says, I should potentially take that corner a little bit fragile, right? Mr. Bowers. Oh my <laughs> Mr. god, Mr. Bowers. I
1: could not <laughs> believe that that even happened. It was it like... Actually, eight, what, it was like... He two was trucks, three trucks. No, he, it was. It, it, I mean, it was like
2: a good six or seven. Yeah, it was. Okay, deep yeah, it was six or seven yeah. trucks.
0: Later, comes into the corner equally as fast, but at that, he did something the other guy didn't. He pitched the truck off the last rhythm. So right.
1: I, I think. I think what was awesome and what I thought was going to play out to be like the most epic turn two I've ever seen was like. Some full-on short course racing, you know? Like, dude looked like he threw that in the corner like a pro four. He almost he had knew it. knew exactly what he was doing. It looked then, really good to start. It, it started good. The, then it didn't. The finish was all bad. Yeah, he know? blew
0: it. He well, blew and
1: then, it. I think what blew my mind even more was the fact that – uh so Robert flips that car over. And then once they get it flipped over, the dude that had just cartwheeled tumbled his truck through the desert drives it back to the pits – and the other dude that tumbles it over on its side has to get towed back to his pit. <laughs> it's like, how is this shit possible with, like, you know what I mean? These we, machines, the dude, dude that
2: cartwheeled like, also had, like, his bumper and half the front end of his car. It was in the back of CJ's truck that had to be like, hey, dude, here's your shit. Yeah, take this back to your pit with you. Oh, oh man. man. That's That's crazy. good.
0: I
1: mean. <laughs> you know what? You know oh, what? I As still owe him a Lap two, I believe on Saturday in the 16 race I Alec and I watched a gnarly ass I watched your guys as yeah oh, the video smokes dude like and again I didn't have an intercom so I like I was trying to get Alec to calm down like hey man like you know you just mellow out take it easy like you know because again like you see that kind of shit right in your face and it, it gets you a little like flustered you know mm-hmm. and you don't know what to do with yourself for a minute there and it's like well if you can get the mind calm back down you can keep racing but yeah, man, Jeremy Munyon came around us, and again we were having a bunch of motor issues, so we were fighting with uh, Davidson. What's
2: Beans? That's not his real name, Kurt... is it? Is it Kurt Davidson? I, I Kurt it, so... Davidson Jr. We all hey, call him Beans. Yeah, uh, okay. Beans I've Davidson. I've never met
1: the dude before. Not, and again, like I, I honestly don't know any of these dudes in the desert. Like, and if you guys know who I am, man, you're welcome to come say hello. <laughs> but if you do, tell me your name, man, because I don't know anybody's <laughs> names, dude. But uh, so anyway, we're we we're battling with Davidson there all all morning, you know. And uh, at some point, a couple cars got by us, and I didn't realize it was Jeremy Munyon at the time. And uh, he came around us, hauling the mail, dude. Like crushing it came into that corner and it was a sloppy corner like the ruts and everything were so wonky that you know it wasn't a consistent corner. Was
0: it, that was a split lane right, right? There was two different there was two different yeah. lines you could take.
1: Uh I mean there was really only one good line. Mm-hmm. But again because there were four of us going into this corner everybody yeah. was picking a line and and again there were three four lines of this one corner but mm-hmm. picking the wrong one is what created the issue, you know, and he came around the corner got a little sloppy. It, it got a little sideways, and then his uh, driver's side wheel dug right into one of the, like, ruts. It, and again, like, the ruts were all wrong, so when he hit it, it was just, like, wrong place. <clears> wrong you guys time. were moving,
0: too. Life. That was probably a 50-mile-an-hour crash, I yeah, would say.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, I'd say maybe a little bit less than that, but it was still pretty still pretty gnarly, you know? And then you even watch it happening, it was kind of scary, you know? It's, it's scary to watch that shit Look around and wheels flying through the air. Oh, it's the
0: worst when you're in the car. I yeah. mean, you can watch when you're standing well, I, outside the car and you watch an accident. Totally. You, it, it sucks. Like for me, some of these crashes that I've seen over the years make me sick to my stomach. Um, the, the, I don't know if you saw it, but the crash that Johnny Greaves had at turn one this year at Fall Cranon. No, I it was it was. I watched it in person and um, I was, you know. On hanging on the fence, like when I was a kid, I was doing the same thing during the pro four race and seeing him come at a hundred miles an hour and then hit zero within, you know, 250 yards was it's gut wrenching. Mm -hmm. But when you're in a race car, when you're in the car and you see someone crash, like that level of like getting over it kind of thing, like. That's a whole – like, yeah. normal human beings can't do that stuff. Absolutely,
1: And that's where, again, it was it was kind of tricky because I didn't have an intercom, so I couldn't talk to Alec about it. Like, hey, man, like, you good? You going to be all right? You know? And so giving him hand signals, like, hey, man, like, kind of like pump the brakes-ish hand signals, but throwing him the, like, shaka at the same time. Like, dude, hang loose. Relax. Like, just get mm-hmm. back into your zone and do what you're doing, and that's where – Again, telling him the night before we even raced on Saturday was, you can't worry about these fast guys, man. Like, you can't go chasing them because they're already on the ragged edge, and you don't know anything about their their version of a ragged edge. Yeah. So you stay on your edge and do well and be mm-hmm. consistent at that pace and watch these other dudes, you know, do what it is they do. And then again, like, <laughs> had Jeremy not done that, dude, he would have been towards the front. I mean, yeah. if he wouldn't have been on the podium that day, he would have been real close yeah. You know, and again, like, thank God, Jeremy, you're okay, dude. That was scary, man. Like, and again, I didn't know until after I got out of the car. I was over at uh, Jason Coleman's pit, and somebody had mentioned, like, yeah, 1609, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, dude, was that, like, who was that? Oh, that was Jeremy. You know, and I was like, oh, man. Yeah. That's a, you know, good buddy. Yeah. It's always awful to see that shit. Yeah. Know? And again, like, you don't want to see anybody wreck their car when you're racing. No. Like, you're saying, like, it's already bad enough that you're in a car thinking about it. mm mm-hmm. To come and find out it's your homie that's wrecked, it, it makes it a little bit more, you know, compounded. I yeah, it's a,
0: the personal stuff sucks, you know.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Jason Coleman had a good run, first time back at 1600 a couple Man, of years. Man,
1: if anybody needs a whistle award, that guy probably <laughs> needs one for the weekend too. Dude. This guy is probably one of the, like, you know, he's a bad dude. He definitely can drive a car. And if I was going to say that anybody had the baddest 16 car I've ever ridden in, I would have to say that Jason Coleman's fucking 16 car is still, still one of the baddest 16 cars I've ever seen and been a part of. And, you know, and uh, I guess he's had that car in retirement for four or five years at least. I, I couldn't tell you how long, but I know he hasn't driven in forever. But, uh, got the 6100 truck now, so he's crushing that thing, but brought out the 16 to come play at battle at Prim, and I believe he's going to come to Rage at the River with it as well, but, uh, got State out State of there, the art. Got out there first lap, man. Where did he qualify? Like, sixth?
2: Third.
0: Yeah,
1: it was like was sixth or something. Was it third? or sixth or somewhere in there. I thought he was higher up, but I could exactly, be wrong. Again, at the top, you know, he was in the top ten fucking bad dudes, and, uh, lap one, We're driving around, and all of a sudden I see him pulled over on the side of the race course, and I'm like, "No shit, he already blew an engine or transmission or something already," you know? And and again, walked over to him after the race. Come to find out, he hasn't been in his 16 car in so long. He turned the fuel pump off when he was trying to turn the oil cooler on. (laughs) He's trying to turn the oil pan on, and he turns the fuel pump off. You know, and he sat there quite frustrated for a minute, trying to figure out what the hell just happened to his car. And uh, the pit guys get on the radio yelling at him like, the fuel pump, man, the fuel pump switch. And, well, he's uh,
0: used to – his old motor had a, a mechanical pump.
1: Gotcha. So he See, didn't I, – I, I don't know any of that. But
0: I'm going to put it on the record. I told him because he was talking, I'm going to turn my fans off so I can get the whole shot. I said, don't do stupid things like that. Don't. Don't okay. do it. You no. don't need to.
1: Don't worry no. about it. It's fine. And, and again, you're bad enough that like – you know, uh, like the little bit of strategy that comes from that is cool and all, but again, when you're good enough to just get around the corners and put the corner time on it's, people, yeah. then you do it that way, you know. And and again, I think everybody's strategies to racing yeah. is a little different, and then that's why you have the outcomes that you do. But uh, don't turn again, the fans off. Again, I think I what think mean, hats what? off to him though, because the the dude fucking gets the car running again, comes flying by us with our motor issues, and again, like. I'd like to say that if we had a motor that he might not have caught us. But again, like, you know, you're talking about corner speed and a lot of, like, drive time as opposed to Alex' drive time. And again, not taking anything from Alex because he did fantastic, but to watch PJ come from the, the back <laughs> and to the front. And uh, it was like, dude, you crushed it on Saturday after you got a fucking fuel pump issue. Yeah. Yeah. And then you still proceeded to, like, run it into the ground the next day man like good for you dude yeah, I think but, he fin- uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: I think he finished 6th overall on the weekend
1: yeah and again for for what we had go on a uh, qualified 11th we got 13th on day 1 because we you know had to like deal with our engine loading up and whatnot but
2: and no skid plate or half a skid no plate skid
1: pla- no skid No well we had three bolts holding the skid plate on it had literally can't open it all the way to the driver's rear tire and uh so that was kind of nerve-wracking I, I was more i was more worried about the skid plate coming completely off and destroying the rear end somehow, right like i didn't want it to tangle right up or rip a tire or something you know so that was kind of my only concern but uh Day two for us, we, uh, George came over Saturday night and was kind enough to help us kind of look over the motor and try to figure out what the hell was wrong with it and why it was loading up. Made a couple adjustments and, uh, Alec raced it in the sportsman heat in the morning and it was fucking worse than it was the day before. It was just completely loaded at that point. So thank God they did that because we were able to get the car back right after the sportsman race and- Tore all the spark plugs out, tore the plug wires, put a new Compu Fire, like just literally tore all the power out and put all new power back in, thinking like, yeah, maybe that'll help. And didn't have a hiccup all day on day two. And uh, Davidson had started in the row right in front of us, had a seven-second lead on the finish of day one that started in the row in front of us, so it was a 30-second gap at that point. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, lap two we got a sign that said we were 29 seconds behind him and we could see him hitting the dry lake bed right as we were seeing the plate with the number on it six more seconds you got it was like oh dude we're here let's go like it's time to go now you know and so we caught him finally caught him uh middle of lap two got by him and then and again it was so frustrating day one because we battled back and forth with davidson for three four laps where we're literally passing him and then we'd crush it And then the motor would take a shit, and then he would pass us back, and it was like, man, all this work that we're putting in is just, you know, and again, at the same time, keeping it consistent is what got us to where we were. And then uh, day two, we got past him, and then we were able to just put the time on him. I think we got to the finish and had a good minute, minute and a half lead over, over him, and he's second in points right now for 16, so it was definitely nice to know that, like, we got back by and, you know, definitely yeah. held our spot. And then, again, uh, Mike Montez is, I guess, third in points right now. And last lap, I think it was, he broke right at the, like, infield right yep. before the start finish. Yikes. And, uh, Tough luck. Yeah. And, again, that's one of those, like, you got to run your race if you're out there running the pace of these dudes. Mm-hmm. You're not doing what you should be doing. Yeah. Know? And, again, like chess move or not we're still leading the points right now that's kind of cool i'm I'm pretty stoked about it
0: well i have to take a quick bathroom break but a couple things that i have for you guys i i want you when i get back i don't you can do a filler fucking thing if you want but when i get back i want to talk about should people who enter pro classes be allowed to enter sportsman classes on weekends like this and i want Y'all gotta have something to like grill me on for the weekend. Like, as a race rider, you gotta have something to like maybe a quick grill oh, session man. or something.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I wanna do that <laughs> on, you know
0: Well You can. I'm yeah. good. We're good. We'll like will
1: figure it out. But I'll try uh to come appropriate with it. But
0: I uh know. in the meantime, uh maybe there's like a story you could tell or something.
1: RJ, didn't you ride with somebody this weekend?
2: Uh yeah. Well I qualified with a guy um 12, four I Dude, I don't. Honestly, I don't even remember the guy's name. It was a
1: twelve car. Yeah. You just got in some stranger's car and went for a race. I said
2: about six words to the dude before oh, I got to the car. That's kind of scary. And uh, we went around the thing. I don't, we didn't turn on the GPS because you don't really need to for the qualifying course. Yeah, I, I get it. And then uh yeah, he didn't care. So how did how
1: did he do in qualifying?
2: Uh, second to last.
1: Okay. So not dead last. <laughs> yeah,
2: That's but it cool. was second race with the guy or second race that he's done in that car. Gotcha, so So the car's new to him. Yep, new to him, and also it's an old 16 car Uh that has a 12-car motor and, like, 12-car shocks, so it's a little bit different.
1: So it's a little bit outdated-ish. Yeah.
2: Well, it's smaller, so, like, it's just different.
1: Huh. But, yeah. You
2: know, that was interesting. He's a little bit different of a guy, Massachusetts.
1: Dude, they crushed it at staging, man. They had that thing pretty dialed as far as getting the cars in and lined up and moving them all along. Like, yeah. Good job to all the girls and the dudes and everybody that was out there getting staging together.
2: It helped a lot that we weren't allowing people to come in with their vehicles. It was just like, literally, just literally, literally yeah. And
1: just the driver navigator. I'll tell you what, man, the the biggest deal for me all weekend was the fact that you guys had us staying in the car during staging and, like, before qualifying and whatnot, and, I I mean, you guys know me well enough to know that when I get in the car, I don't typically sit in the car until we're, like, three cars (laughs) from the starting line, and then I get in, and people are still yelling at me the whole time, get in the car, get in the car, like, no way, dude. The anxiety is way too gnarly if I sit in the car. I need to, like, stand here and stretch and relax. Yeah, you were and probably then... one
2: of the only people that was showing up without their helmet on with their race suit halfway down, yeah. not belted in. Yeah. Like, was... everybody else was ready to race, and you were like... Those COVID
0: restrictions fucking it, so, Like, sorry... Forced. They yeah, suck. Man. It's and miserable. It, and
1: again, thanks to everybody that did their part to, mm-hmm. like, you know, deal with the yep. circumstances that we all had to fucking deal with. But, man, that was not that fun for me to sit in the car. And I couldn't have done like, it. There's no way I could have done losing it. Losing my mind, you know, like, ah, and again, it's only a 16 car, so it's not, like, crazy, but it's racing, man. So yeah. your, your mind goes through a lot right before you start and then the green flag drops and all that goes out the window and then my mind goes full quiet and it's time to get money, you know? But, uh, yeah, like I said, definitely hats off to the staging people and all the volunteers. Mm -hmm. Everybody did a great job this weekend and that was rad. And,
0: uh, thanks to the BLM. I I know (laughs) not a lot of people like to be a lamb. Um, but thank you. The
2: the uh, Bureau of land management. Yes. Just, just so we're all clear. It is,
1: Bureau of Land Management, not the other not, one. Not the, not the other. BLM. We don't talk about the other one. Well, yeah. the other one can be talked about on a different radio. May,
0: maybe a different podcast because yeah, we're not know, touching that with hours. a ten foot stick. Yeah. We're out. I want no part of that. Um, but no, the BLM worked with us very well. They uh, they understood that corralling you know, a thousand people into guidelines that we're not used to isn't easy. They gave us some again, leeway here and there it
1: was all out in the desert and you're still having to abide by guidelines. It is as if we're all standing in a store or we're sitting right. right. all together. Right. Like, you know, and it's like, well, it's a little bit different. And I, I think maybe that's why it was a little more tolerable to the mass of it because, you know, everybody knew if we didn't do it, we couldn't go raise rage. And I'm right. still like, that, that was my biggest concern all weekend is like, man, I really hope there's not one person out here that's going to ruin this for the rest of us. And then, like, again, leading the points. Like, I want to go race one more race and get to the points lead and hold it through the last race. And if we don't get raged, then we cut the race short, the season short. Yeah. And then it's like, well, what what could have happened? We might have won the 16 points, but what if we, you know, there's the what ifs and the, but did we really earn it for not going to the last race? And so. It's definitely nice to know that, like, you know, everybody was doing their part to try to keep us from getting in trouble for yeah. some stupid shit. So, for the most part, you know, yeah. you got your fairy here and there that wanted to try to throw some pixie dust at our weekend of yeah. awesome, but... We persevered whatever,
0: as a team, and we got Absolutely. through it, and we're we're on track. It's not a positive, but we're on track to have rage.
1: I tell you what, <laughs> though, man, like, the, the thing that blew my mind, and I think snort probably should implement it to every short course race is the water pole. And and again, I didn't realize that uh Vlad the Gilberts had uh donated the truck. Yeah, Vlad and Sean the, from was VT. It a donation or was, was it uh, from it's VT? Yeah, we don't know uh, yet for sure. It was a holy hookup. Regardless, the fact <laughs> that they brought that thing out, man, like Water trucks are awesome and all, man. Like, you got a big water truck or two and, you know, a smaller one. To do that some water pole lays stuff. down like,
0: some water. Dude, the though. water
1: pole lays down the water, and that's what mm. you're talking about, dropping Olympic-sized swimming pools in the desert. Dude, that thing was the one doing all the work when it yeah. got there. And, like, dude, without that thing, I don't I don't really know if it would have been as as nah clear, no. you know what I mean? The visibility definitely wouldn't have been what it was, you know, yeah, even for, sure. for the, like, big race with the one yeah. cars and the trophy trucks and shit, because they always stir up all the yeah. dirt. But, yeah, man, the, the, like thanks to them. Mm-hmm. You know, and like I said, the water truck dudes all did a great job. I don't care if people were mad that there was mud out there. Like, hey, man, you're either dealing with the mud or you're dealing with the dust. I'd rather they, have mud. I'd rather have mud because I can see and wipe my right. shield versus – now I'm in the dust, and if I miss a corner, or if there's somebody's broke down in the middle of the race course, God forbid, you smash somebody. Yeah. Like that's way more dangerous. So I, again, at the end of the day, I'd rather deal with the mud, yep, I go agree. home safe. But yep. and again, yeah, I mean, it might be a little snotty and a little slippery out there, but deal with it, figure it out. Yep, Drag everybody's going to be on the same course, so exactly. figure it out. You're going through the same corner as everybody else, so just do it better.
0: Yep. Um, should. People who enter the pro class for the weekend be allowed to enter the sportsman class for pre-run laps.
1: I say... I say yes and no. But I also say yes heavy because you still have a great opportunity to destroy the shit out of your car during the sportsman race if you're racing your race car in the sportsman race. Now if if you were to bring a different vehicle to race in the sportsman race, then yeah, I, I definitely think you should be able to race the sportsman race and then still go take your other car and go race the pro race, and I there's I don't see anything wrong with that. And again, watching everybody do it this weekend, I was definitely more excited knowing that Alec was actually able to do that as well. And and again for him, it was it it twofolded for us at that point because. Not only was it all the fastest dudes and all the dudes that we were competing in points with, they were out in the Sportsman race getting laps in as well. He got his laps in, and then again when we had the problem with the engine on day one, he went into day two and took that car, changed the numbers, went out and did that race in the Sportsman heat so that we could figure out whether the engine was good or bad. Because if we hadn't have done that, there's no way we would have gotten to where we were for the weekend in ninth. You know, mm-hmm. took ninth for the weekend. and It was like, dude, I'm I'm good with that for the way this went down this weekend, you know, I'll take it. Yeah. And again, for the fact that, like, the people in front of us with the points they, for the weekend are not really in the points chase for this, the series, so.
2: RJ, what do you think? Well, I mean, you asked pro to sportsman class. What do you got, like, pro to pro class? Kirk Davidson, or the Davidson family, I think, had about five different entries yeah, for the weekend. Yeah, like four or five. They, they had – at one point, they rode up in a nine car. Some guy, some it was a two-seat nine car, rolled up. Somebody else rolled up in a 12 car. I was like, hey, I'm going to park the 12 car over here. Uh, I'm just driving in the next heat, but I'm riding here. We're like, cool. He gets in. And then same deal. Some uh, They were in the 16 heat, and I'm pretty sure they they have two 12 cars or they have two 16 cars or something, something like, like that. that. So, so, again, they had two different. 12s or 16s racing at the same time. So, I mean, we don't really necessarily have a rule that stipulates No, no, no,
0: I, I know that. I'm just saying, what are your opinions on, like, do you think that, they, that a sport, that a pro guy, like a guy who enters 1600, should be allowed to race in the Sportsman 1300 heat?
2: Uh, I think he should be allowed to race. I mean, it always gets a little bit sticky with, people who are running points championships in those classes that are going to get just they're flat out going to get beat by these guys so i mean kind of hurts other people but then again i mean they're they're just to help themselves yeah so so my thing is we
0: it, the sportsmen so for people who don't really know the 1300 class is the exact same pretty much class as the 1600 class except the 1600 class is a pro class the 1300 class is a sportsman class we have that 1300 class for a reason that is for people who aren't confident don't have the program, don't have the driving time, don't have the experience to run competitively in the 1600 class. Right. My thought is, yes, most of those guys that are racing 1600 enter the sportsman class purely for the pre-run purpose, but you do have a handful every time, every short course race, where they enter it and they don't pull off, and they, they essentially win the sportsman class. How does that make people feel that are in the sportsman class, that are legitimate sportsman class racers, that the pro guy can come in and win? So like any other race series that I've been associated with, if you're an amateur or a sportsman. You are an amateur and a sportsman. If you're a pro, you're a I see pro. I what
1: you're saying, but I think from from that aspect, how are you ever going to get better at what it is you're doing if you don't have people that are better than you around you doing that? You know, like some dude in a 16 car is going to pass you and you're in your 13 and he's going to go through the corner. He's going to beat you to the corner and go through the corner and he's going to show you the line through that corner. You know, and it's like if, if you're a new racer, you're not picking the pro- appropriate lines at all times, you know. And you have a bad dude in front of you going through a corner, and you're like, "Well, hell yeah, I'm following that line because that's clearly the smoothest line to take through this corner," you know. I
0: that's, that's a good, good. argument. Um,
1: I'm not, I, and again, I totally get what you're saying as far as like fairness to the like the 13 class itself and the fact that like you know you're out there trying to do your thing, but now you have these pro class dudes winning your race. I think like, I think even still, maybe there needs to be like a guideline for that where it's like, well, these pro 16 dudes really don't matter for points to the thirteen, so you don't get fifteen class points. I
2: think it should be as. But
0: part what of happens this. when when they touch wheels and 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 blow a sportsman's race because but, they were jackass? That's well, saying, but... that's
2: that's just a racing situation. Right. I think the whole the like points thing should go towards sportsmanship. And where they should be like, okay, I understand that there's other people who have been racing the entire series right. in this class. I need to pull off lap three, I, day two. I
1: honestly don't even feel like it's a pull-off zone. I feel like for the pro 16 dudes, like, yeah, man, go get your laps. But there's no need for points in a sportsman class. So just you don't get points. As this pro 16 dude. You should just not get the points that they're giving out for the 13 class. Here's another question. It. Yeah, that should be a thing. Here's another question. Yeah. That way, like, At least the 13 racers still get to race amongst the 16 dudes and learn things and whatever. But then at the same time, like not worrying about the 16 dudes just taking their points because they're out pre-running. Mm. That, that, that does suck. But here, I, I got an even more uh, interesting question for you. Do you think somebody should be allowed, with whatever money you have, go buy a trophy truck and race it if you've never been in the desert no. before? Do you think you should be able to do that with a one car? No. You know what I'm saying? So right. it's one of those, like, how, you know, and again, like, I, I grew up playing PlayStation man, Gran Turismo, and you had to learn how to drive each car and take a driver's license test yep. to be able to go race that car on a racetrack. So it, it blew my mind the first time I realized you could just come to the desert with whatever you wanted and go Ring its neck out there right. and it's like well that's kind of scary man because again like you're putting our lives on a line in a car that i'm not even in because if you hit me in that thing we're dude, it's not gonna right. be good you know and
0: well in uh imca uh imsa which is the sportsman series um arca i mean you can name them all er- early like middle 2000s ama motocross you can't show up as John Doe and enter in the pro class. You have to have a license, like SCCA. SCCA is is licensed to hell. Right. Like you have to have, you have to work your way up, and there's a reason for that. Like you can't have the uh, the double pro guys jump down to the C class and just Smoke run it because everybody. they can. Yeah, you know they know they're not that good at this racetrack and they jump down to C-class so they can get a win and feel feel good about themselves. That's not how this works. In my opinion, um, if it were up to me, um, especially Snore being a budget, family-style, growing, stepping-stone-style race series, like, Sportsman is sportsmen. If you race sportsmen, okay... And let's say you win the championship or let let's make it easier let's say you race the sportsman class and that anybody can can take their truck their trophy truck their class one their 10 car What they can jump into a sportsman car or sportsman truck class
1: as a matter of fact cj's sister had it happen to her the one year they were racing they were racing the blue car yep and uh there was some dude in a four-seater one car thing that raced that series that year and it was like how is that even fair, man? Like, mm-hmm. you're running a completely different engine right.
2: package that's well, but what's way co- more powerful. What was cool, because I rode with her that year, is we were in the short course races. Like, he would obviously beat us in a straight line. But right. as soon as we got into the turns, Kelly would blow Smoking. right past him. Because right. he mm-hmm. doesn't know how to drive. He knows how to go brah in a straight line and then stop and turn and then go and then stop and turn like he doesn't know how to drive but right that goes
1: back to what you're saying as far as like well how how is that even work out appropriately where it's right. like well i'm not even really racing you because your car is so much faster it's not this you know mm-hmm. and again yeah. i think that's what makes 16 class so neat to me is where it's like well everybody's got damn near the same equipment and it really right. does come down to the driver and your ability to get the car around without destroying it you right know? and like i think that's neat my thing
0: is is like, especially for the 13 versus 1600 class, if you finish top three in the sportsman class two years in a row, you should have to jump up to the pro class. okay? You're, you, you did it. You right. have proven that you are at the top of the, the limited sportsman, and you should that. now go into the pro 1600. Now, at that same token, whether it's a short course race or not, If you have entered a pro 1600 race in the past two years, let's make it even, you cannot enter a 1300 race no matter what. Whether it's short course, whether it's long course, point to point, like that's it. Just make it a bottom line, done deal, no question about it. Because like you've got people like Sarah Koth who she busts her ass. She's in the shop every night with her dad working on her car. She shows up. She's been putting in the hours, the miles, the time. To get to a point where she can be competitive in 1300. Right. And she's won, I think, most of the races this year in 1300. Yeah, yep. She shows up to Battle at Prim, and she has a fantastic weekend. I think they might have had maybe a couple, like, little things happen. But she had a really good weekend. pretty
1: sure they had training issues on Sunday. Yeah, the Sunday, Sunday they had was training issues. She, was, she did well on Saturday. But even,
0: even Sunday with her training issues, she still had a pretty good time. Right. Because Snore messed up and sent her out and pulled her off and then sent her out. So I gave her credit, gave her a two, two-minute credit for being pulled off and wondering what the hell was going on. Right. I think she still ended up seventh in the class overall. Yeah. Like, that, that right there doesn't make sense to me. Do You have a front-runner, consistent front-runner all, all year, uh-huh. and Battle Prim, now she's seventh? That, well, th- that's that's not a thing. You what know what I mean? What sucks
2: is I actually asked her about it because I was like, so do you know, is Gutierrez going to pull off? And she's like, yeah, no, I talked to him and a bunch of the other guys and they all said that they're going to pull off. And I don't think any of them actually did. The um,
0: like Jay, like uh, Gutierrez did, yeah. but like Jake Gone did not pull off.
1: Yeah, I heard he tumbled his car on Sunday so, pretty good coming out of the court really? track. So, yeah. I didn't hear about yeah, that. Yeah. So, I didn't see it or well, anything, but it I just, saw the
0: whole thing. Um, I was at the Bradley's pit. We were getting lunch. Uh, me and my girlfriend were just, they invited us over. Hey, we're going to eat. Hey, you know? boo. Hey, boo. Um, so we went over to the Bradley's, and we're hanging out, having a good time. And we're, like, watching the 1600s go by, and I saw Jake gone come out. And when you leave the core track, there's that slight right before the straightaway, and it gets real choppy. Yeah. He hit that thing, like, wide open as fast as he could, and the car, like, hit, Bounced driver's side and immediately pirouetted and landed rear, like rear driver's side first and then slapped the roof and then ended up on its side. And what to make light of the situation, they were fine, just so everyone knows, they were okay. They were shaken up, but they were okay. So to make light of the story... I had, I had a brat in my hand. They were making brats and burgers. Yeah. I had a brat in my hand, and I'm sitting there, like, mounted down, you know, and I see this car, like, start to go, and I start running, and I realized, like, I looked over to my right, and Derek's running with me, and I, I bet you I was tw- 20 feet. I've been running for 20 feet, and I look down at my left hand, and I still have a brat in my hand. <laughs> and I was, like, making a decision as I'm running. Like, do I just crush the rest of this brat, or do Hell I yeah. keep running? I couldn't. I, I would, like, try it. I, like, made a half reach to my mouth, and I missed. And I was like, I can't do this. Like, he might be hurt. And I chucked the brat, which oh, RIP to the brat. Oh, man.
1: But, you at least put the brat in the back pocket. But you have to understand, I
0: like, would just walked up
2: with it. To but be you have to understand,
0: honest. like a guy could be hurt because it was a gnarly, like, no, it, right, it, I, it sounded and looked disgusting. Yeah. So it was like, brat or dude? Like, come on, like, so I gotta it, drop the brat, you His know?
1: wreck sounds real similar to exactly what Jeremy Munyon had had happen, because they came into that corner hot mm-hmm. and, and then tumbled the car except, pretty good.
0: Except Jake's car, the whole rear end, was, was like destroying. blown over into the exhaust close, and, and pushed close, the exhaust close. into the fan shroud. Yeah, I heard he out of the
1: car and, Threw his helmet down and kind of walked off. For he a was. Second and then I mean, he. he over. I mean, he was mad at himself. Was the biggest is that thing. What he. was. He was yeah, like, he was pissed off. I didn't know if he had like concussed himself. At nah, some point he was and good. Well, we
0: like, had. I mean, we had rest. So the fun. The weird thing is, is like, I had thirty people running out to the track. Obviously, they're like, "Oh my god, we want going to help!" And I'm screaming, "Get back! Get back!" Like, yeah. I got this. Like, you guys can't be here. None right. of them had vests on. Right. So. I like slowed down by the car and Derek was behind me and Derek was, I was like, okay, Derek's going to make sure they're all right. So yeah. I went up 50 feet and I ripped my vest off and I'm using it as a flag because right. I got the next group of people coming Yeah. and I'm waving them down, waving them down and I keep yelling back, are you guys all right? And nobody's saying anything to me. And
1: that was during the 16 heat, right? Yeah. Yep. So that's why I didn't see so it. So I ran
0: over there like, and they got out and then the cars went by and we had another gap you know I couldn't see anybody coming so me and Derek pushed the car off the track so it was safe and uh by the time we pushed the car off to the track I was walking over to the to the driver and the co-driver and the rescue team was there like they're yeah. out bags like flashlights yeah. like how you doing so I walked up to him and I looked over at the me- at the the rescue medical guys and I was like just hold on let me like look at him and i looked at um jake and i was like let me see your eyeballs let me see him and i like did this and he followed him and i went to the co-driver i said let me see your eyeballs and the co-driver was holding his his unit you know because the crotch strap got him oh. and uh Dang. that's the word and i was like Ooh, that, i was like let yeah. me see your eyeballs he's like dude i <laughs> he's like coughing and like about to Ralph and stuff. I was like, let me see your eyeballs. Yeah. And he looks up and he follows him and he's good. And I was like, you, you're, you're Jimmy good. And he's like, yeah, crotch strap got me. And I was like, Ooh, I feel for you, man.
1: Oh, man. I mean, that's, uh, that's how good Who's your president or not your president. <laughs> <laughs> but like
0: that, that's how fast, like we were on scene. And, and uh, <laughs> it was crazy because after that had happened, the car got pulled out of the way and they went back to their pit, and everything was good. And then, sure as shit, it was, I don't know, 20 minutes later, I was went back and grabbed another brat, because I told Kelly, I was like, I lost my brat, like, man, can I have another? You
1: fucking hunt that shit, man. <laughs> and you uh, really threw your brat. I, yeah. so again, could, it's not a brat, dude. You're from Wisconsin. They're brats. It's a brat. It's a brat.
0: But... It wasn't, I think it was a Johnsonville actually had the cheddar in the middle. Those things are, are, yeah, those are are hands down Mm -hmm. one of the, bit the jalapeno cheddar brats are like top tier brat. Like you can't beat them. Like they had a pan of like miscellaneous things. They had hot dogs, brats, and burgers. What are you grabbing?
1: I'm grabbing a burger, dude. Really? Yeah. I'm grabbing a burger and then I'm getting a cheesy brat joint and I'm not putting it in a bun. But I am going to have a pile of ketchup right there next to it. What though. are you grabbing? Murder. Well, I've had Kelly's brats before, so definitely. definitely. I mean, brats. I'm grabbing
0: a brat. I don't even see anything else. Like, it's just, it's 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 blinders to the brat. I'm not dude, looking at the dog.
1: You, dude, you know what crushed it was Saturday night. Uh, Kelly had made a bunch of carne asada. Dude, them tacos were so bomb. fire. Oh, my goodness. Even cold. They were still I, so good. I love eating food in the middle of the <laughs> desert. Like food yeah. always tastes better when you're camping or you're in the desert. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you appreciate it just that much more. Yeah. And uh, to have a bunch of good friends to hang out with and drink beers mm-hmm. after the race and bullshit stories and whatever yeah. and eat good food, it's always a fun time. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I would say that probably, I mean, do you have any other stories or anything you want to talk about Battle Prim? I mean, uh, you guys want to grill me on stuff, or what's the deal? I mean, you got something for me?
1: I mean, other than the fact that, like, you know, DQs should have been DQs and time penalties were <laughs> retarded, but other, you know, other than that, I think you did a pretty decent job, man, holding the weekend down. Um, Thank you. It's it's That weekend is a chaotic... Mess, mess, dude. It's it. So happens. that's the
0: most entries we've had at Battle Prim in. I was told ten years. We had no over
2: three hundred entries. No kidding. Like, yep. Man. Like, and then on top of that, generally we lose about ten percent. So we had two two ninety pre entered. So I mean, lose thirty from that, and then we had a bunch of walk ups and like people also wanted to enter in different classes and stuff. So it's a solid weekend.
0: Yeah, it was good. But,
1: uh, snore made out huh snore made you out but okay anyway
0: again a lot of that carries over to permits and rage is a big overhead oh, race for sure. us so Absolutely. i mean well, that, we needed to you do guys good
1: drop the payouts that you did on all the classes that you did like dude pays people, more to race Snor. people left with freaking checks man like is the first time i think i could tell my friends that don't know anything about racing they're <laughs> ask me, like you know <laughs> I don't know when you guys win, you guys make a bunch of money, like as a matter of fact, I don't even know if that pays for the fuel for the race car, let alone, you know, like the entry fee's one thing and then you got all the extras yeah. and like dude, barrels of fuel aren't cheap and yeah. but
0: uh So for sixteen hundred it costs, uh it's seven fifty five Right? For the entry fee, baseline entry fee. Yep. And you've got like 120 bucks and like insurance and like some other bullshit like that. And
1: then you got to pay your membership fee or whatever. Yeah, if you're not
0: a member, then you got to pay As your
2: $25.
1: I had to pay the membership fee again this race. I, like, do I have to pay a membership fee every race? No. Why'd
2: you have to pay a membership fee again? I don't know. That's what I'm. I'm I I'm thought they were supposed to, to reset. No, at like, like, at what the, the beginning hell happened? Of the year, like, not the I middle thought it year. was like.
1: I paid once for the beginning of the year, yeah, it should and then be good. all year, right? Yeah. Like, it's 30 bucks for the membership, and then you race all year on that membership? Yeah. Snore, you robbed me. We'll get you a refund. <laughs> we'll get you a refund. I ain't even worried about it. But it was the like the finish
2: bag. line HIV lady or something, yeah. you
1: know? So, oh, dang. Dang. So, uh, bang, yeah, bang. so pow, pow. if Snor could uh, cut me a check for my $30, that'd be pretty cool as a matter of fact you could cut that check to Ruben Rodriguez okay I will and, do that uh, that way you know that's taken care of but
0: <laughs> in any case no it was a good weekend we yeah, had a lot man, of it was stuff cool, to dude. overcome it was
1: super good weekend I definitely was excited to get to go racing and I'm super stoked to get this thing finished out at the end of the yeah rage at the river so it's gonna be a good time hopefully we can keep the engine together and do something more appropriate this time around and like I said, the kid's the kid got it, man. I can't wait to see what he does, especially next year. I don't know if he's doing a whole season next year, but <clears> I think they're like gonna step back and you know go back to the fun races like he was doing originally. Yeah. But otherwise, uh, be really cool to get back in the one car with CJ again. That'd be that's like, dream goal of all goals. Yeah. I wish I was like, balling out of control, so I could just make it happen do like, as a matter of fact, let's, uh, let's go racing. You go drive the car, and I'm going to sit in this helicopter and watch <laughs> you race. Yeah. Like, you don't want to ride in the car anymore? Not if I'm riding in a helicopter, dude. Like Talk to you from the helicopter. Yeah. Or not talk to you from the helicopter. But.
0: Well, as a representative of Hutchins Motorsports, um, one of the biggest things that we were focusing on this year is, you know, COVID hit hard. And it hit everybody's business hard, so we didn't really know what was gonna come of that, so we kind of backed off. Oh,
3: absolutely! But then we also took some time. Yeah,
0: yeah, we also took some time to make the car even better. So, I mean, the damn near won every single race in Bessa Desert last year. Yeah. So you would assume that the car is legit, but you know how I am. I don't really leave stuff alone. Yeah, hey, um,
1: You gotta flip over every stone to make sure there's yeah. nothing there that's wrong. And, yeah. You
0: know. So we we have some we have some Big stuff coming. Um, I don't know when it'll hit the track. Uh, we're going to try our best to potentially, possibly make Rage at the River with it. Um, oh, that'd be exciting. Maybe. Um, just to try and get some miles on it uh, and and try out the new stuff that we're doing. Um, we redid the fuel system. We redid the shocks. We did all kinds of stuff. It's, uh, it's kind of like a new car.
1: You going to put the big block back in that bad chicken. We might put the big motor back in there if we need motor it. If we need it. Not even if we need it, put the big motor back in there, man. <laughs> yeah. Let's no,
2: think. Like, what nights do we have to work to get the big block back All in of there? All of them. Okay.
0: But uh, yeah, so we got a lot of new stuff coming. Um, it not reworking the wheel, not going backwards, just fine tuning what we already have cuz the program that they had um, was really, really good, obviously. Um, results show. We just – you can't stop. Like, you can't just kind of, like, chill out and stop and, and wait for someone to show you up. You always have to be ahead of the curve. So that's kind of what we're we're doing right now as a team. Um, we're working on some pit strategies. We're probably – I wouldn't say the fastest, but one of the fastest class one pit crews, all volunteers, there is. Oh, no doubt.
1: Um, all volunteer, I, I'd put – I'd put our team against anybody's team. Straight up volunteers, you're getting smoked by our team yeah. boys. Pit you, better, you better get on your your business. Yeah. If you want to play with us. If you
0: yeah, you can pay people, but that doesn't really count.
1: Right. And that's where again you got like badass paid teams like the Tisco dudes that go yeah. and pit for people and it's like, well, shit. You put our team against that, and it's like, well, I think we're still better than you. Yeah, we ain't got pressure just pots. Just a little bit, but still, like, <laughs> yeah, I, I I'm, not, I, you know, and that's where again, I think it'd be fun to give them a, a fun run for the yeah. money, like, no, yeah, for dude, sure, let's like, let's go through some like pit. No, practice it would, it would be, and see it would be
0: super it. rad, oh, like, like no race, right. just like on pavement, right? Just, just lo- like a good time, pit, pit like, and pit, right. and like and just again,
1: but that's, you know, that's all volunteers versus dudes that do this for a living, yeah. man, and yeah. like. I'm, like, totally proud of our dudes for the yeah. work that they do. When no, they're they're kids. hands
0: down the best guys that you could have. I mean... And that's where,
1: again, even <laughs> for me, having been a pit dude all the years prior, like, you know, I totally have a respect for, like, the people that help you get through the races yeah. dude, you don't get to race without all these people. Right. Like, you need fuel, you need tires, you know, and then now you got all these dudes that their heart's so deep in it that you couldn't pay them. Like, yeah. they're going regardless, you yep. know, and, that's, that's pretty rad shit to me, but otherwise, uh, you boys going to Mexico? Mm-hmm. I just got asked to go down Undecided. to the thousand, man, so I'm yeah. probably going to go down there and do some beers and tacos for a week or two, and Undecided. You know, I don't know if you boys have time in your schedule, but you should. Tell I don't them know both. if I have
2: time in my schedule
1: either. I... <laughs> Shut just, up. Just tell your, you, you <laughs> both just need to tell your boss you got flaming diarrhea, And it's going to, as a matter of fact, fuck (laughs) it, man. Just, you got one last try at the COVID thing. Just tell him, dude, I need my 14-day quarantine. 14-day quarantine, (laughs) boss. Give it up.
2: All right. But like, what happens when, hey, CJ, I got flaming diarrhea I won't be here for two weeks? And then he's like, and and then he's in the truck with you as you're crossing the border. I'm driving you (laughs) to your COVID appointment.
1: (laughs) As a matter of fact, I'm taking you to the quarantine location. It's in a little place we call San Felipe.
0: And, uh, yeah, I've yeah. had a couple of people ask me. <clears throat> I'm undec- undecided right now. Um, I, I got that new job back in April, and yep. Um, yep. I, I love it. I really do. Sweet. Um, so I'm super excited about it. And I'm, I'm trying to make. a am trying to. I'm trying to build this business to like you know one of the best businesses in the valley. And Absolutely. I don't yeah. know. I don't know if me being gone for because I. I As everybody knows, I don't go down to Mexico for the Friday to Sunday and then leave. Like, I'm there the whole time. Oh, no doubt.
1: You know what I mean? And 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 again, that's not even like, it's not eight-hour days, man. We're down there doing like 23-hour days. You get like a nap, and then you're back in the car doing it all over again. It's, you know, there's real work to be done down there. And that's where, again, the more work you do, the safer you are during race day. Mm -hmm. All your dudes are safer because they've all pre-ran their like pit sections to know like you gotta get from A to B at this yeah. time. and
2: The more work you done, the more you know about the course. The absolutely,
1: it... and that's where again, like, yeah, man, as as much fun as Mexico ever, or as much fun as Mexico can be, it's, yeah, dude, it's tricky down there. Still work. Yeah. But. Yeah, uh, we'll see. I'm looking forward to it, man. Go down there. I just got a fresh passport. I took uh, it took about... me like five months to get it, dude. <laughs> I should have, like, right the COVID thing fucking happened, man, so it it started out with a, uh, like, before I even left on one of my work trips, I uh, went into the post office, got the paperwork and everything, and just got complacent about filling it out, and then, um, shit, as a matter of fact, I was with you two boys when we were in Mexico, and I had had an expired expired passport. passport. And I tried to give the lady my driver's license, and was she's like, like, "No, no, no, uh, no, no. Do you have a passport? Oh yeah, very. oh no. It was, do you have a birth certificate? No, I don't have my birth certificate. Oh well, do you have a passport? Oh yeah, just give me that. that that's what's gonna work.
2: When you give it, it's like, oh, but it's expired. Yeah, that's why I gave you the license. Yeah. No,
1: she never said anything. She scanned it. She because like, she put mine underneath of you boys', yeah, and then she was scanning them in the computer. And it still scanned apparently, so she just let it go. Oh. Thanks, thanks, border security lady, for letting me back into <laughs> we America. We still went cause... to
2: secondary, so it doesn't really matter. For oh, so no reason, ain't we no party like a 45... secondary party, <laughs> dude.
1: Forty-five minutes of nothing. They, they didn't even like, look oh, at our shit. Oh, you guys I was are so still mad. sitting here in secondary. Oh, as a matter of fact, here's your ticket thing. Go. Bye. Bye. Was... Thanks for making us sit here. That was cool. But uh, yeah, yes. so my. Uh, expedition of passport thing before the COVID thing would have been, you know, a couple of weeks or whatever it is to get it back. And, uh, came back from one of my work trips and the COVID thing got all heavy, going to the post office, go to turn in my paperwork. And the lady's like, yeah, that will be like four to five months. And I was like, uh, you mean four to five weeks? No, no. Four to five months. There, You know, and it was like, as a matter of fact, definitely let me do the like expedition passport thing. Oh, no, they did away with that because of the COVID thing, and that's why it's taking four five crazy. months. That's crazy. You know? And then I was nervous because travel so much. Yeah. They had that, uh, the law that they had passed that you had to have a real ID or a passport to fly in October, which they then pushed off to next October. But mm-hmm. Still, it was one of them like, man, I might be on a work trip and not have my passport yet. And how the <laughs> hell am I supposed to get home? Yeah. But... Got it in time, so I'm going to Mexico, boys. Sick. It's time to go, uh, yeah, do some pre running and work. Yeah, Mexico. Yeah, San Felipe. Love it down there. I'm Um, gonna go ahead and uh, throw a quick shout out because I feel like we're about to be done with this. Pretty close. I'd (laughs) like to uh, I'd like to thank the Hutchins family first and foremost, man, for all the race knowledge and the good times that have been relayed down to me and uh the simple fuck you cj uh as always for (laughs) letting everybody know who i am and i don't know who anybody is so uh i appreciate all the knowledge and the good times man you've definitely created a weird zone of off-road racing in my life that i definitely would not give up for anything at this point and uh The the Rodriguez family for letting me ride with you in the 16 car, man. Alec, you're a badass, dude. I can't wait to see you keep crushing it. Uh, Ruben and fam, man, thank you guys for everything, for supporting me and what your kid's doing is super cool. And, uh, yeah, anybody else that definitely throws the thumbs up or moons me as we're driving by, like, hell yeah, man. Appreciate all the encouragement. And, uh, yeah, I just want to keep going fast do cool things in the desert with my friends. Hell yeah. It's the best part about it is you're with
0: your boys, you know? And your girls. I'm not sexist. Don't fucking even think I'm sexist, you asshole. Stop. I mean, you kind of are. Stop it. No, I'm not.
1: Who's faster in a 16 car? Boys or girls? Results show men. Oh, oh, you're going to use the results. That's a, that's
2: a great excuse. Good excuse.
1: I, I was going to say, bitch. way to hide behind it. That was a good Bitch, hide. I'm telling you facts, bro. So who's who's better at driving in a normal car on a daily basis? Undecided. Insurance claims show. <laughs> 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 well, Is actually, my bitch? buddy at Allstate says <laughs> that
0: men under the age of 21 get more accidents than any other... Uh, what do you call it? Like Demographic. Demographic of humans. Uh, us when we're under 21 just demolish shit like hands down like I, I think I think maybe like I think when you start to get like 30 plus in women I think they start to give a fuck less about driving and then they hit more stuff and I think that's where all the memes and the jokes come from but realistically like us men wreck stuff like from the time we're born to the time we die we demolish shit every day like we're the one like men get more DUIs men have more uh incident claims like more fender benders we hit the uh the shopping carts in the parking lot for fun like we like that's the stupid stuff that we do and and women look at us like why would you ever hit a shopping cart for fun and then I go well I want to see how far it goes (laughs) or or
1: why would you put fucking plastic trays underneath your rear tires and, <laughs> and pull the e you know, or, or why would you stand on that plastic tray and have your buddy drive you around the block, dude? Like, yeah, we're stupid. Did some tray surfing, some tray sliding in yeah. my day. We're so dumb. Hey, man, it was all in good fun, though, man. You know, you only get one life. You better mm-hmm. do a good job with what you got, and, you know, it's fun. Yeah. Just I, fun at all times. I
0: did promise the people that we would talk about our... Random stuff for a little bit. Can we talk uh, about Screech from Saved by the, the? You watched by the bell? Saved by the Bell when yeah, you were a kid, yeah? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Screech was the is. biggest nerd ever, right? Everybody loved him. You know, he's like that nerd that you love, and right. and 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 he was just a an oddball so, son of so a, what's a bitch. The topic with here? This what motherfucker's in prison. Isn't.
1: What did he go to prison for? Uh, he's Whoa. in prison he's in Wisconsin. You, <clears throat> what? He's, he's in Wisconsin prison. Yeah. yeah. So
2: uh, State. he stabbed a gentleman Get the fuck out of in here. Wisconsin <laughs> in 2014. I don't think he actually died, like we assumed earlier today, but he stabbed some guy in 2014. What was
1: what was he stabbing? I over? scrolled
2: through
0: Facebook right because <laughs> we're getting prepped for the show, uh-huh. and I wanted to like throw in some random stuff for the right. people. And I'm scrolling, and it just happened to come up. It was like Screech from Saved by the Bell. His name's Dustin Diamond, right? Yep. So it's Dustin, du- Dustin Screech Diamond from Saved by the Bell gets killed in Prison Riot. And I went. I looked at RJ, who he works at a desk eight feet from me. He did, he's not dead. He did not it's die. We don't, yes. we don't perfect, have any perfect. proof. Got we got have zero proof got that it. he died. All right. But, but article, he is in prison for sure. The yes. article said Kill that he he got here. killed in a prison riot. So I was like, RJ, we need to fact check this. Like, I think Screech died. And he's like, I didn't hear nothing. CJ's like, Screech died? Like, what the fuck, you know? So oh, RJ, like, yeah. fact checks it. Sure, as God's got sandals. That son of a bitch. Went to prison in 2014. Apparently, he was at a comedy club, and he must have been on something or something. something and like somebody s- criticized and ridiculed his comedy stand-up, which no, I would he imagine. Was doing a stand-up. Which I would imagine wasn't that good, because I thought that once Saved by the Bell was done, he died. Because I yeah, didn't know that, that he was a person yeah, anymore. Or just
1: kind of found another place on the other side of the planet. Yeah,
0: so I wouldn't imagine that his stand-up or his comedy was that fucking good. Right. So he, someone criticized him, probably said, "Hey, Screech, you fucking suck." And he stabbed a guy. And then <laughs> and then he went to prison. And, man. And we didn't know about
1: it this whole time. What was the dude from Seinfeld that was doing the stand up and got ridiculed? And uh, the-
2: Kramer? Kramer? Yes, and Kramer. then he like Oh, Kramer, I love yeah. Kramer. So,
1: well, but it, like I feel like it's kind of the same story, but like Kramer didn't pull a knife on somebody. Screech, <laughs> like, Screech, I didn't know you were such a badass like Hey, you yeah. know those quiet ones? Yeah. Yeah. Bring your shank to the nightclub with you, huh? Yeah. All right. So, yeah. still, I don't know if
0: he died. We still haven't figured that out. I saw it in three separate Facebook posts. Well, from well three our hearts separate are with places.
1: you, man. I, I hope you're alive and kicking and doing well. I to, hope your head's in the like right spot. Getting the help you need. Doing some push-ups and pull-ups and stuff. Yeah, because he, yeah.
0: he needed to bulk up a little bit. He was pretty skinny. For sure. But for sure. also... Sounds like he might have had some anger issues, so I hope he's getting therapy
2: his, for that. His mugshot looks like, oh, you know, that's that's the crazy guy. Does it look like he dude, got drugs? Dude, it looks like
0: he gained like 30 pounds in his chin and nowhere else. Wow. He's done a fair <laughs> amount, it appears.
1: All right.
3: All right. Oh, man.
0: So, so there's Screech. There's our report on see. Screech. Um, I should have done more stuff. The other thing that I found that was quite... I mean, I, <laughs> I laughed about it for quite a while. So in Florida, there's a group of human beings. There's about 30 or 40 of these human beings. Okay. Outside of a, not a red lobster, but like a mom and pop, like seafood shack. The
1: Fisherman, wharf kind of, yeah. They have
0: a 20-foot-long, 20-foot-tall lobster Statue. Okay. Painted, the whole deal. Looks like a real lobster, just like under a magnifying glass. There's there's 30 to 40 human beings that are definitely on some sort of a drug that created a Facebook page and then invited me to it. Don't know anybody in it. That... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this lobster is now their Presbyterian God.
1: Oh my goodness. Okay, but dude. wait,
0: but wait, there's more. Billy May's here. But wait, there's more. <laughs> they're writing a Bible. They're in the middle of writing a Bible and they're asking for people's help on creating psalms the, and all that stuff. Substance
1: of their religion. They're
0: creating a Bible based off of this.
1: Monster. I I think I think the cool part about that is at the end of the day, whoever did this is getting the dopest tax break they've ever gotten in their entire life. You know what I mean? So it's like, hey man, you can clown these people all you want, but guess what they're paying in taxes now? Zero. Zero. They are paying nothing, Joel Olstein style, dude. Talking like, dude, did you guys see the meme? Like, and again, I don't know if it's fake news or not, but like. Joel Olstein's supposed to have some clothing company called, like, Sheeple or something like that. Mm-mm. Yeah, dude. It's, like, for the sheep or the sheep's sheep's wool or – I don't know, man. It was kind of ridiculous when I saw it myself. For the flock. Yeah. yeah.
0: <clears throat> for the herd. For the herd. That shit's wild. Like, hey, people can do their own thing, you know, but I can still laugh at it. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, man. And but then
1: like, there's religions for all kinds of crazy shit. Oh, yeah. There's, like, marijuana religions, mm-hmm. you know?
0: Did you. <laughs> the. Uh, <clears throat> the Joe Montana thing, did you hear anything about that? I was telling RJ earlier.
1: Was it the one where his wife had, like, fought off some freaking attacker that was trying to take their kid or something? Yeah, like that? so
0: what happened was the real story, I guess, like, I wasn't there, so it's not that real, you know. Right. But this woman, so all you sexist bastards out there, not only men are. Kid stealers and shit, okay? Women do the wild shit, too. This woman, intruder slash kidnapper, broke into Joe Montana's house. <laughs> and and the woman... He tried to swoop his daughter. Yeah, and him, right? his old lady started, like, fist fighting this motherfucker or whatever. And Joe, Joe had this, like... It, I don't think he has a Heisman. I don't think he won a Heisman. But it's, like, some trophy... And he
1: he laced up, dude, and smoked this motherfucker no with
0: the trophy,
1: For real? Is knocked that him out, knocked him
0: out, knocked this lady out, so the cops could like scoop him up. Hands down, like, dude. That's my, question
1: crazy is, though, shit. my question is though.
0: My question is though. As an intruder slash kidnapper slash potential rapist slash stealer, why would you at least wear a helmet when you break into? I would yeah. assume Joe Montana is not living in a trailer house. Nope. I would assume that when you roll up to this crib, it's like a mansion because it's Joe Montana. And when you like it's finally a sizable house. when sure. you break in and you walk by all the Super Bowl trophies and all the other trophies and all the fancy shit, wouldn't you go, "Oh my god, this is not where I belong." And then all of a sudden you <laughs> Like you remember those Nerf footballs that yeah, you throw and they make yeah, a noise? That's balls. probably what he. it's probably what she heard coming down the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> Boop! Ah, ah. Just straight headshot, like oh, Call man. of Duty style.
2: Problem is, it was the bronze <laughs> Nerf football from like some tournament or something. Yeah, he probably threw his All American. Yeah.
0: Probably probably threw his All American with the guy on it, and the guy is holding the football, and you could just imagine the guy just spinning around and clocking. That's crazy, dude. <laughs> Shout out to Joe Montana for still having the for still having the dude, spy- for
1: still being a hero. Yeah. He's still a hero.
0: Yeah. FBI shows up. So two lace or three lace? How tight was it? <laughs> you still got oh, it? Yeah, it was about 30 yard poster out. I dropped that son of a bitch right where she stood. Mr. Montana, will you throw
1: me a football? <laughs>
0: Oh, man. That's awesome. Yeah. so Good for
1: them for, you know, evading capture. That's freaking crazy shit, dude. The world's gone weird. Wild. And and just, yeah. Yeah. Just leave me alone. Yeah. All I want to do is kick it. Yeah. Have a good time.
0: Yeah. We all do. Well, shall we wrap this up, boys? It's been a good one. It's It's been pretty good. How many minutes are we at? uh two hours and 15 oh good luck
1: people Holy hang smokes. in there hang Did in there we about... the end of this thing dude like, i'll give you I, I got a quick question since we're at the end of it now <laughs> we're gonna close this thing down if you guys want i got a question if you want to like message them on their facebook page whatever your answer the question here is is when you go poo in the desert do you take all your clothes off to go poo in the desert <laughs> or do you leave your shirt on my answer is I take all my damn clothes off because I don't want to poo on my clothes. So the like, more I can get my clothing away from myself, the better. But, uh, yeah, leave us a comment. Let us know how it is that you poo in the desert. The guy won't
0: talk about his hobbies send, or his past send, life, but send he'll, send he'll talk pictures. about how he shits in the send desert. Send
1: pictures even if you want to send let, let the pictures exactly... <laughs> how it is you strategically oh, place yourself my dms your are gonna be full of I don't middle-aged squat either, men dude. like no bullshit boys i gotta find a rock for sure because i gotta like one cheek a rock because a full squash 100%. is not happening for me man oh like i will i will traipse through the desert to find me a rock and that's where my and no clothes
2: i'll leave right. my shoes on the shoes stay on shoes
1: and hat yeah the shoes and the hat are good dude they're out of the way My God. But, uh, yeah, man, let the boys know how it is you poo in the desert.
0: Yeah, so I guess let us know that. We'll read your comments next
1: episode. Pictures, videos.
0: (laughs) So we're on Facebook, uh, Sports Vision. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple. Um, Go on our Facebook. Send us a message. Send us content. Send us what you want to talk about. The next episode should be sports. I'm going to try and drag Tyler and Tyler Turner he was here for a couple of episodes. I'm gonna try and talk about some sports, which is not really these guys' wheelhouse. Um, we got a lot of stuff going on with uh, the end of the NHL. Um, football's in full swing right now, so I'm 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 all game for that. I'm I'm pretty excited about that. Baseball's about to end. Um, basketball just ended, but nobody really gives a shit about that. So. Um yeah, next episode we'll talk about some sports. See if we can get that rolling. Um if not, you'll have to wait another <laughs> 6 to 8 months for another but No,
3: we'll definitely
0: <laughs> We'll definitely have another uh another one soon. Um we've got a lot of racing to talk about. We've got a new desert series um that just formed. Uh Legacy. Legacy yep. um uh, I want to hear some people's thoughts on that. We've got uh, the Baja 1000 coming up. We've got Rage shortly after that. Um, Best in the Desert, I haven't been paying much attention. I don't know what they have coming up. I know that uh, they're going to have Parker at some point. I don't know when that is, but, um, yeah, so we got some racing to cover. NASCAR we don't really give a shit about either because it's getting boring. Um, Yeah, we're just going to jam on stuff, so what?
1: Danny Hamlin's sponsored by Jordan, dude. Yeah. He's, well, he's got fireproof race, Jordan. I, I actually
2: told him about that. I told Zach. I was like, now, dude, now Drew's got no excuse not to have fireproof yeah. J's in the race car. Yo, I'm
1: putting in the call to the, the pops, and my pops has got friends in places that, like, I'm probably getting a pair of Danny Hamlin's fucking fire shoes, dude. <laughs> I need a pair of Jordan race shoes. Jordan, if you are listening to this... I'd really like a pair if, of. Uh, if, Michael listen, if Michael Jordan's listening, if Michael Jordan's listening to this, I need cameras and I need fire shoes, dog. Come on, man, help me out. Yeah, and I already wear yeah, Jordans in the race car anyway, so just let them be fireproof from now on. And
0: hey, Michael, we're we're <laughs> alumni. We went to the same college, so like, if you want to like holler at me, like, we'll get him some shoes and 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 all that stuff. I'll bring you out to a snow race, and everybody will shit their pants. But uh
1: I'll yeah. I'll let you ride with my homie. You will share your pie. pants?
0: Yeah, I don't know if you'll fit cuz you're 7 foot 9, but
1: uh Nah, Mark isn't that bad chicken. Um we'll make him work.
0: Yeah, so actually that yeah. was a pretty weird thing. Uh Bubba Wallace, uh Denny Hamlin and Michael Jordan started a race team together. So We'll have Michael to talk Jordan's about, been doing it, dude. He's, well, my, so, uh, he's so, had
1: a, a super motorbike team forever. Yeah,
0: so Michael Jordan sponsored, started sponsoring Denny Hamlin probably five or six years ago or maybe a I little bit more. That. So uh, Denny Hamlin was the first motorsports sponsored athlete for Nike or for Jordan. I shouldn't say car Nike. Car athlete. Yeah. Because they already yeah.
1: had motorbike programs.
0: Yeah, car athlete um for Jordan. Brilliant. So super stoked for him. I've been a big fan of his for a long time. Um Really
1: imagine with a ticket on a pair of those bad chickens. Is, dude.
0: Well, we'll find out. So hopefully by the next time we have a racing episode we'll have the price of a pair of fireproof Jordans lined up
2: for you guys. And obviously we'll be in contact with the man himself. So we'll have cameras yeah. and a new setup. So <laughs> I'll have to
0: I'll 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 have to talk to my Nike reps and see what kind of deals we can work. But um yeah. cool. Thanks for listening. I hope you guys uh held out to the end. I know that we ramble on and you probably don't understand most of what our dumbasses are saying, but um, like I said, you listen with your ears. We talk with our mouths. If you want cameras, pay us. Um, we are accepting any and all sponsorships as long as it's not derogatory towards other human beings or any sort of sexual... To Just kidding. We will be sponsored say, man, by literally anyone. I was going
1: to say, you need a dildo sponsor, dude.
0: No, I don't want that. Yeah. But... Um, So after we're sitting, we got a table full of empty bush lights and Coors lights. Um, We had a good night. This was fun. Drew, I hope you come back again soon. Yeah, dude. Um, It was good talking with you. You got a lot of good stories. Um, Hopefully we can dive into more stories. I'll have to get a couple more beers in you. So for Sports Vision, it's me, Zach, signing off. See you next time. (laughs) See you guys.